Welcome to the Next Dimension Podcast, your portal to an extended reality. Every week we talk about the hottest topics in XR and let you join the discussion live on MRTV. And now, get ready for another exciting episode coming up. Hi, welcome to episode number 22 of the Next Dimension podcast, your podcast that's all about VR and AR. And in this week, we have a very special guest here today with us, and it's Immersive Matthew. Matthew, how are you doing? I'm doing very well. Thanks very much, Sebastian. Oh, man, I'm so much looking forward to talk to you. We have now just met in the Pitch MRTV event, and you have a very interesting transition from Quest YouTuber to Quest content creator. And wow, we're going to find all about this. I'm so much looking forward to that. Matthew, thank you so much for being here today. Then, also here with us, of course, Tatiana. Tatiana from Disco VR. Tatiana, how are you doing today? Doing great. Still a YouTuber, not a content creator. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows what might happen in the future? Right. Yeah, I'm doing great. Happy to be on the show. Great. So Disco VR, absolutely check it out. The link down in the description of this video if not have if you have not seen her videos yet. They are amazing. Also here with us, of course, Anthony from VR365. Anthony, what's up? <laughs> not much, man. Just uh <laughs> surviving the Bitcoin drop and oh, uh, you know, right. everything's, going, everything's going well. By the dip. <laughs> oh yes, by the dip. First That's what I can say. By the dip. It's a fantastic opportunity right now for all of the people out there who are not yet invested in cryptocurrencies. Oh, right, Anthony, what will you say to that? Yeah, well, you know what? Honestly, um, not giving financial advice here, <laughs> right, but uh, exactly. <laughs> a great yeah, a great way to play the crypto market is Coinbase, ladies and gentlemen. I grabbed me some Coinbase uh, recently because, um, you know, I mean, ba it's basically the E-Trade of crypto for the future right, long right. term. And uh, so grabbed a little Coinbase. But their stock is like incredibly tied to Bitcoin. So Bitcoin drops, the stock <clears throat> drops. So it's a wild ride. It's a roller coaster. It is in general. So this is a whole other topic that I'm personally really excited about, the cryptocurrency. It probably, probably I should start another MRTV for cryptocurrencies. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows what might happen? So it's a very, very exciting topic and yeah we're not financial advisors so these are just opinions here <laughs> that is very important hey the see. crypto will help you buy a 3090 that's what it's all about right <laughs> right or right. motivates you to <laughs> <laughs> absolutely absolutely yeah it's a, it's a super exciting topic probably we should do another uh, show just about that would be interesting to find out would be interesting to find out what you guys and girl think about cryptocurrencies yeah also with me, Sebastian Ang, I'm the founder of MRTV and I'm the host of this show of the Next Dimension podcast. I'm doing good as well here and I'm looking forward to today's show. So today we're going to talk about Immersive Matthew's Dark Ride. It's a very, very cool and I'm glad that Matthew had the time to join the show. And we're also, of course, going to talk about some current topics, but I must let you know it was a very slow news week, <laughs> obviously, uh, honestly speaking, but it's okay. We're still for sure going to give you a very interesting show today. And so we're going to talk about like a Red Dead Redemption 2, the VR mod. We're going to talk 
about the Quest 2 update. Yeah, the massive update. <laughs> Every YouTuber has to say massive update when talking about <laughs> the when talking about the Quest updates. Yep, and some other small topics like what Google has been up to and so on and so forth. So that's going to be interesting. But now, first, we're going to talk about our weeks and what we've been up to. And I would like to take that chance to talk a bit more with Matthew and introduce Matthew here for a moment. Matthew, so I, I first got to know you a bit through your YouTube channel, honestly speaking. Of course, right? Of course. Mm -hmm. I, saw, I saw your YouTube channel. So, um, Immersive Matthew, tell us a bit more about your YouTube channel. You were very big on the quest, right? When it came out, you were like, like, like really like um, rocking it hard. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I, I might even be, and I'm going to put this out there because I'm really curious. I might be the one who coined the term questers. Okay. I thought it was Anthony, but I went back on my videos and I found a video. I think it was from June or even late May, May something, where I started to say it. So it's that long ago that I was doing this. And I was on top of doing that channel way back almost a year before when the quest was called the Santa Cruz do you right. remember that? Yeah, I the, remember. The prototype yeah. name? Yeah, right. Yeah, and um, I, I love doing that channel so much. It just took off better than I was expecting it to. And I actually saw potential growth if I kept on doing it. I would get to a point where I might even be able to get some sort of sustainable career out of it in like years down the line. Because as, of course, as VR rises and grows, you know, all boats in the harbor rides with the tides. So that was kind of my thinking. But after I got into it, after about nine months, my biggest frustration was that there was hardly any new titles for the quest. So doing the news was great, but like this week, like you just said, you know, there's not a lot to report on. And I was noticing that that was a trend in VR overall. This wasn't a lot of content. And that's why okay. I said, you know what? Maybe I should throw, throw my hand into the development world and you know, start, stop reporting on the news and actually go make some content. So make that some can news. Report on it. <laughs> yeah, make some news. Yeah, I like it. So wow. that's what really motivated me. And I also realized that I was looking for something uh, more hands-on, more techie than making a YouTube channel, although okay. very technical. I mean, you know this firsthand, everybody, how much editing and you know, making graphics and getting all this stuff to say. It's a lot of work. It's a ton yeah. of work making content. And But I wanted to do it into uh, development instead. So I haven't developed before. I've done a little wow. bit in my early career with like Visual Basic. Uh, assembly code in school, but I pretty much graduated and went down more the management side, consulting side of the IT world. But uh, And I think that's one of my big things I want to share with people today is that if you're thinking about developing a, a Quest app, but you're a little bit unsure, my advice would be, you know, maybe just jump in and see where it goes. There's a lot of great videos out there on how-tos, and I'm going to be sharing some of my insights and I've gone through some really difficult times trying to figure things out. And I want to share that knowledge with other would-be developers because really I think we need like a hundred times the amount of developers in this space to make VR happen the way that I'm pretty sure all of you out there are just craving for more content, more cool content. Not just the same stuff rehashed, but I mean the space is so huge. I don't even know how big VR and you know AR is going to be. I think no one really knows where that content is going to take us. But if an immersive dark ride gets some people you know, interested, and there's a market for that, then how many other niches like that exist that will bring even more people into VR? And they're not going to come if the content's not there. If they look over at, at VR in a year or two from now and all they see is mostly games and a few interesting apps, they're not going to jump in. But if they hear about something that they're very passionate about, 
you know, in my case, maybe with dark rides, maybe in some other situations, some other app will crocheting in VR. I don't know. But it's yeah. going to bring people in. But that content won't be there unless we get more of you out there developing in VR. We need yeah. a lot more developers. Like, wow, a lot this, more. This is so inspiring because, like, yeah. Yeah, I decided that I, I don't want to report on it anymore. I want to actually make something. And you went on and you did that. That's super exciting. We actually might be talking after the show later because I, I have had some thoughts about, you know, learning how to actually create something not to be a developer, but to have the skill to create at least a prototype of something to show how it should work. So that, yeah. But anyway, how many years did it take you? Like when you decided that you want to walk away from YouTube and you want uh, to was, develop? How many years did it take you in general? It, it was one year. One year ago, I wow. put out a, a, a wow. demo. I spent, I spent about a month or so playing with Unity and playing mm -hmm. with Unreal and seeing what they both could do, their ups and downs, and I ended up choosing Unity right. only because it had the strongest development communities supporting mm -hmm. you. So if you had a question, you could go on the forums and you'd almost always get some response, especially if you do a, mm -hmm. a really thoughtful question, uh, not a lazy question. People don't like lazy questions on those forums. Um, but uh, yeah, they really don't. But if you ask, uh, if you ask the questions, you can really. I found that that community was a lot more responsive. When I went to Unreal, I would post over there, and there's the post that I'm going to look back at three months later, and still no reply. So mm -hmm. that made a huge difference for me. And I guess my message to you, Tatiana, if you can edit a YouTube video and make the graphics and do all that, you can make your your YouTube uh, your VR app. Now maybe there's some more advanced coding that you'd have to maybe outsource to somebody or learn yourself. But for the most part, you don't need to be a super great coder to build. If you look at my ride, there's there's code in there, but most of it, I just went on YouTube videos and tutorials, mm. right? Wow, How do I make this happen? Impressive. How do I make that happen? Oh, here's impressive. a tutorial. Okay, I've got to change short, a few things. Don't sell your shot short. No, 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 no. no, no you, this is impressive you think stuff. It's like that for you because you do it step by step, little, little step. It doesn't seem like a big deal for you. But for people who haven't done that, and I mean, I tried Unity. I, I have like the general idea, but still... What you did, especially in one year, it's extremely impressive, and it does many? motivate so many people to to actually take take on this path. I hope so. Mm -hmm. I hope so. How many hours, though? Like, like, so you you spent about a year on this, but like, were you banging away for like sixteen hours a day for <laughs> like weeks and weeks and weeks, months in a row? Or, I mean, I mean, well, basically, just how committed did you have to be to to do this? Yeah, so once COVID happened in my day job, uh, doing IT management consulting sort of stopped, I had a lot of time on my hands. And I, I've been up and down in terms of how much effort I've put in. I've been trying to treat it as, if this becomes my future career, what pace do I want to go at? What's mentally healthy for me? What's the right work-life balance? Like, does it exist? Because in my career, and probably like lots of you, you know, you've got a boss who expects certain things to be done in a certain schedule, and you have to be there a certain, at your desk a certain amount of hours. And uh, I'd never known what is my natural work schedule look like. And so I let it, just let it go and see what happened. And I discovered that I work pretty much every day for a solid six hours um, and uh, maybe five, six days a week. Uh, I don't work generally eight hours a day unless it's a crunch. And right now I've been crunching really hard, trying to get some last little bit things cleaned up for the app lab submission, which has been an interesting process, which I hope I can talk about at some point. Sure. Uh, and just a heads up for some other would-be developers. There's some road bumps up ahead that you probably want to know about before you get too far into your app. Um, 
but uh, sorry, what was my point there? I just lost my train of thought. It's okay. You know uh, what? I can ask. I can ask you something now, and I can yeah, ask yeah, you. Please. I can ask you to tell the viewers who don't know what you're doing yet. Those few people who have not watched the Pitch MRTV show, <laughs> um, please tell them what exactly you're programming. What, what is your oh. your project? Because people don't right. know that yet. <laughs> Um, so I'm a big fan of uh, dark rides and dark rides. I mean, things like the Haunted Mansion in Disneyland. That's uh, probably almost everyone's being on that, or at least I've heard of that ride. That's a dark ride. Uh, and there's many like it, uh, both at Disney theme parks or at Universal theme parks or at other names of theme parks all around the world. And they, they typically bring the biggest crowd. I mean, roller coasters are very, very popular, but dark rides are sort of the, the king of theme parks. If you're a premium theme park, you're going to have a really high-end dark ride. So some of my favorites are things like, obviously, the Haunted Mansion. I love Splash Mountain. Um, I love over at Epcot, you know, Spaceship Earth, the big round globe thing you get to go in. Um, I love the Harry Potter ride at Islands of Adventure in Florida. And, and there's just so many like that. And they're just very immersive experiences. I mean, these are physical experiences. You're not in VR, but they're very immersive. And I've always liked that sort of sitting down, relaxing in a chair, you know, and going through some sort of scenes that tells a narrative and, you know, just very, it's very, it's a very uplifting experience. And I wanted to know, can that be brought over to VR? Now, there was an early uh, version of this. I don't know if anyone is back in the uh, DK2 days. So back in like 2016, there was a, uh, an app called Welcome to Oculus by Traytech. And uh, it was the first, I would say, dark ride experience in VR where you sat in a chair, it was like an armchair, and it kind of glided through some scenes. Not the same scope and extent of the one that I built, which is really trying to be a dark ride, but it gave me a hint that it was possible. So when I uh, stopped working because of the COVID, I started to focus on, okay, how far can we take this technology? Like, could you really replicate one of those dark rides I just described? in virtual reality and can you do it on the very accessible oculus quest because it only has so much processing power and dark rides have a lot of lighting like my ride right now has over 700 lights and over 10 and 10 percent of them are real-time lights and if you don't have that it looks flat and so you can't do it so i wasn't sure if the quest could really do it and it looks like it can mm -hmm. um barely barely can but it can do it yeah so that's how it all started and also with those rides, it's just so much more viable from the financial perspective because to build those rides, oh my gosh, you need the space, you need the, like, to, to build all of this. It's all physical. And same with like right. escape room experiences. There's these escape rooms, theaters, or like buildings that have five, six rooms and, uh, and that's it. And they will have to remodel the entire thing to create one room and everything is physical. So, and you can make as many topics like you mentioned in your app, how many different ideas you already have yeah. for this app. And, and you can do so much more than you would with a physical space because you're not constrained with physics. That's right. <laughs> and I, I have felt that a lot during this process. I've realized that what I'm doing is sort of imagineering. It really is imagineering, but instead of brick and mortar and, and all that, electricity and wires, it's all virtual and it's like digital space. And that's really interesting because uh, my, I've really had a lot more appreciation for the imagineering that you know a lot of these people do, especially when they have to build something. They can't ever experience their ride until literally the building is built, the track is put in, the vehicles are put on the track and all tested, the show scenes are all decorated and built, and then finally can ride it. And I've done that. I've built an entire scene, right? And then I go into VR to try it out. 
And it's like, oh, well, that's not in the right place. And that looks mm -hmm. wrong. And I'll make it a little smaller or a little bit bigger. And the, the pacing isn't right. And I'm like, how on earth did the Imagineers who build real rides, how on earth did they get it so right? It's it much, much longer. I can undo. They can. It's, it's it much it, longer, probably. Yeah, right. And yeah. you did it alone. And I must say, it works so well. I mean, we're going to talk about it later in the show, in yeah. the second part of the show, but I can already spoil it. It works so well. And for all the people who are watching this show right now, take the time until we get to that part in the show and try it out yourself. I have put the link down in the description of this video. You can simply go Go to SideQuest and you can download the dark ride that Immersive Matthew made and you can enjoy it for yourself, uh, the demo. I don't know, it's, it's like 10 minutes or so, uh, something like yeah, this. 10 minutes. 10 minutes. Yeah. And uh, do that. Please do that so you understand what we're talking about right now and what we're going to talk about in the second part of the show when we talk about that dark ride. It is pretty magical, right? I would not have thought that it works so well and... Uh, yeah, I was really, really, really fascinated by it. Well done, Matthew. And so thanks for, for being here and talking about it. So, um, Matthew, how did your last week look like then as a developer now? What are you doing right now? <laughs> I was hell. That was one of the weeks where I did work 16 hours every day. In fact, I've worked 16 hours every day since May 1st, except and most days of the week, except for maybe just Sunday I don't work. It's because I had my app all polished. I had it all at 72 frames solid on the Quest 1. And Quest 2, and I'm like, okay, I'm ready for App Lab. So I started going through the App Lab process, and in there, it's like, okay, make sure you've got it 64-bit. No, oh, I don't. Oh, this whole time I've been developing this and optimizing it for only 32 bits? Awesome, I'm gonna get a performance oh, boost. So I <laughs> turned on the 64-bit, and no, there's not a performance boost. Nothing worked. Hit. So for the last 18 days, where it was been 20 days, I'd been grinding hard, re-optimizing my entire ride. And that's the hardest part about the Oculus Quest. It isn't the development that's hard. It's the optimization to get you know it all to work and be 72 frames per second on that hardware is killer. And I can see why a lot of developers are saying, ah, I'm going to wait. Uh, no thanks. I don't want to put that much effort in because it is a lot of effort. I would say it's 80% of my effort goes into just getting it to run smoothly on the Oculus Quest. And I'm a newbie, so maybe an expert can do it faster, but no matter what, it's extremely tedious today to fine tune and get to work properly. Really tedious. Right. Also, you were pitching your, <laughs> your project on Pitch MRTV. <laughs> Plus, on top of that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, on top of all of it. <laughs> right. Yeah, cool, cool. We're going to talk more about it later. Yeah. So, Matthew, choose one of the remaining three to talk about their week. Uh, well, I see the song The Hedgehog, so I want to know where Tatiana, she said she won it, so I'm curious about that now. So I'm curious about her window. Oh, <laughs> I won it two years ago, though. <laughs> oh, it's, it's not new as in... <laughs> no, it's even in some of my videos. But yeah, that's my Sonic that I won two years ago at like a carnival when I was throwing rings and the bottlenecks and uh, and I threw enough rings to win the Sonic. So here he is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, but yeah, thanks for, for passing it on to me. Uh, just like the week has been a little bit slow with the news, it has been slow for me in VR as well. I kind of took it easy, but uh, I did... Um, already play the newest puzzle bubble in vr vacation odyssey which is oh my gosh if you haven't played it you probably have played it that's like that old that probably one of the 
uh, first tile matching game is when you're throwing bubbles and you're matching the colors of three or more and you're like uh, clearing out the field. And I'm sure like you probably played it for hours and hours back in the day. And now they made it in VR for their 30th or 35th anniversary. And it's completely different because everything is in 3D. So I don't get the same feeling of nostalgia by playing it, but it's just as addicting as it was then. And it's really, really fun. And it looks like a very childish game, but I'm like a grown woman and I really enjoy playing it because it's so addicting. I don't know how to explain it. You should really try it. Mm. It's not like yeah. the original, but it's addicting it is, in a new kind of way? It, it is because it's still mm. so satisfying to clear it. But instead of just dropping, you have this 3D cloud of all the balls and every time you hit it it rotates so oh. sometimes you can't even oh. get to the one behind but you can shoot behind the cloud and it will randomly still stick to the core so sometimes you need to calculate where to shoot it so it has very different kind of strategy in a way because oh, it's pretty. so it, it adds a lot of more complexity to it with different modes uh, power-ups and they have a story mode uh, so I as far as I remember, oh yeah, there was a story mode in the original too, but basically, yeah, there's a story mode, there is an infinite mode where all the bubbles slowly go into the wormhole. <laughs> when you get there, you're done. And they also have a multiplayer, so you can play with your friends. Or oh, interesting. Other people. Just whoever gets the higher score, I assume. It's really, really fun, and it's a very good game to introduce someone to VR, because it's completely static. You're standing in the same place, okay. and you're shooting with and it's like motion based because you're you're having like this giant like a, a cannon ball, but it's more like a slingshot. Looks like a cannon, but you like hold it like that. Like and Angry that, Birds. Like Angry Birds, exactly. <laughs> and you're and you're aiming where you're shooting. So it's really fun. And Ooh. because it's so interactive and immersive, but you're still standing in the same place, you're not moving around, you're super comfortable. You can play it for hours. You don't feel any kind of discomfort. An amazing game to to welcome someone new into VR. And it's a familiar game. So, yeah. <laughs> so that's what I tried. And and one other thing I tried is from the update 80, uh, 28 from Quest that also continues developing productivity tools for Quest um, with the Internet Office, bringing... <laughs> First couch, then desk to VR, and now they're bringing keyboard, the actual physical keyboard, and I actually picked it up. It's Logitech K830, and it's so far mm. the only keyboard that's supported by Quest 2, a one-to-one -one modeling in VR. So and you have it, like, and I and I got it. Yes, <laughs> yeah, congratulations. It's discontinued by Logitech. Yeah, I'm not exactly. Sure why they what? Really? Yeah, yeah, like everyone <laughs> wants it now. <laughs> and you, know, you, you hardly can buy the what, thing. <laughs> well, it has this trackpad, so you also have like a mouse ability that you use it like a mouse. That's why they chose this model. But I assume when they did the agreement, the partnership with Logitech, maybe it wasn't discontinued at the time, but now it is, and now it's the only one that works. So too bad, too bad. But right. it works. It works. I wouldn't say that. It, I did make a video about it on my channel just to test it. It works, but it's still. I, I'm sure that it's just the very first step to increasing productivity because right now you can type, but you have nowhere to save it to or it's just not as accurate. But the only way I found to actually make it to where you can share it is use cloud services like Google Drive. 
so that you can work mm. in, in VR, but then someone else can, can see what you're working on from a flat screen because you're sharing the document. So that's pretty handy. And I think that it's going to get better. I'm sure they'll add support to different keyboards. Was it accurate feeling when you when you go to put your, I mean, I'll watch your video, but when you go yeah. to put your hands on the keyboard, is it where you expect the keys to be at accurate? It is, because the best okay. part is it, it turns on pass-through. So when your hand is close to the keyboard, you can see your actual hands, not the outline of hands like you do when you're using um, hand tracking, but you actually right. see the, the hand, like the, the black and white pass-through, like oh. ghost hands. Oh, I, unfortunately, I couldn't capture that for my video because it doesn't capture uh, pass through. I need to learn how to do that. Some other YouTubers know how to do that. I'll need to learn it. But, but you can see them and the keys light up when you hit them. So, yes, it's absolutely accurate. There's no. Yeah. Um, wow. Immersed has a mapping keyboard, another app called Immersed. Yep. They map any mm -hmm. keyboard app, but it's not, not Perfect, as good yeah. because they're trying. You it's know, okay ish. It works, yeah. but it's not perfect, yeah. Yeah, but Quest just plays it safe. We just have one keyboard. We'll do it perfectly. You will know exactly the keys that you're hitting. So, yeah. Um, Facebook did say that there's more keyboards in the works, but quote-unquote, apparently it's very hard for some reason. I'm surprised yeah. that it was hard. I thought yeah. once you had one, you'd be able to do all of them. <laughs> right, exactly. I was also a bit surprised that it seems to be so hard to do that. Anyways, mm. I think it's pretty uh, magical when you can get this kind of produ pro productivity things done in virtual reality, right, Tatiana? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Because we, we all have these talks about like virtual desktop, right? Virtual desktop doesn't have this ability to include the keyboard. And we can work on our computer, but with the keyboard that's connected to the actual PC, and you won't be able to see it. And very few people can actually type blind without looking at mm. all of their keyboard. But yeah, creating right. those collaborative spaces with giant monitors. What's the point of that if, if you can't take notes? Right. Yeah. I don't see the I don't see people using it if they can't actually type something or take quick totally notes. Agree. Yes. This yeah. is a very important step. Right. That's about it about my week. <laughs> okay, who's next? <laughs> uh yeah, Anthony, how have you been? I haven't seen you in a while, so I'd like to hear from you. Yeah, I'm doing good. Um, I don't really have anything VR to talk about. I'm trying to think if I did anything VR related last week. Um, I'm always working on VR game rankings, but it's mostly things in the background that aren't even like something that anybody would notice. It's like some background stuff. Um, but one thing I can mention is, and I actually asked Sebastian if it was cool if I could possibly promote something real quick. Of course, man. <laughs> yeah, and... Um, Tomorrow, um, so a while back, I created a off-topic podcast called Dark Frequencies, and it was like weird stuff, you know, like UFOs, aliens, Bigfoot, you know, uh, multiple dimensions, uh, simulation theory, Mandela effect, like all these like weird things, right? And um, oh, we just lost Matthew. Hopefully, he'll come yeah. back here in yeah, a second. Too. Um. But so I, I created this like off topic podcast and me and Skiba 
from Beyond Realities and also Roots from Virtual Strangers. We all did this podcast called Dark Frequencies, and we've done like eight episodes so far. And we stopped for a long, long time, haven't done anything. But tomorrow we're doing an episode at 1030 a.m. Pacific time. It is episode number nine of Dark Frequencies. And the reason we've gotten back together to do an episode is because, I mean, I know this is not VR related in any way, but like the UFO thing is like a big deal. I don't know if anybody's been noticing this, but like on 60 Minutes, they actually talked about UFO, well, they call them UAPs, which is Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon. So they talked about it on 60 Minutes. Um, it's on all kinds of news broadcasts because basically in the month of June, there's supposed to be this official report that is going to be presented to Congress of what is going on out there with all these like things that are flying around in the skies. And, and um, on the 60 Minutes episode, they had this like one Navy pilot that was saying that they literally watch these things every single day for years, what? every single day going in and out of the water for years. And so it's just kind of weird because in my lifetime, like when I was a little kid, I was, I was interested in UFOs. Like I always liked the topic of UFOs and I followed it like all throughout the years. Right. But it was always a situation where everybody would say, yeah, it's going to be disclosed next year at this time. And then like 10 years would go by. Nothing ever happened in this field whatsoever. We were always lunatics, and now we could be on the verge of, like, some major thing happening. Um, so anyway, it's going to be really interesting. We're doing an episode tomorrow called uh, It's Dark Frequencies. It's episode nine. It's called Disclosure in Progress, and it's basically what is going on with all this UFO stuff. And we're going to even consider the possibility that all of this is a complete and utter scam by the industrial <laughs> military <laughs> complex to drum up trillions of dollars, which could easily be a possibility. So it's going to be pretty cool. Do, what about you guys? Is anybody on here, do you guys know anything about UFOs? Have you ever seen a UFO? And have you noticed that like it is in the news recently? Yeah, I, I've noticed that it's in the U.S. news. Like Obama was on the talk show, and then the band guy asked, hey, "What about them aliens?" Right? So like, who? like, why? Why would you ask him that? But it's interesting, of course, right? Because you would think, like, the president they are briefed on all the things that happen, and what is it, Area Fifty One or what? So yeah, it's an interesting topic, and um, I think I would like to hear what you guys think about it in tomorrow's show. And uh, yeah, who's who's the who's the man? On on that on your thumbnail, oh, that is this guy Lou Elizondo, who is basically he's the guy that's in charge of. Uh, well, he was the head of a, a particular group that was um, trying to figure out what this aerial threat could be. So okay. he worked for the Pentagon, and uh, basically, like they're they're seriously taking this stuff serious. Now, I don't know if they're taking it serious for their own agenda or whatever. And, oh, you know what the most exciting thing about this whole entire thing would be, though? Like, I would love it for, like, this alien, like, if it was actually aliens and stuff, if it, it would be so <laughs> awesome if that truth came out just from the standpoint of Neil deGrasse Tyson and <laughs> yes. all the, oh, no, dude, they're so smug. 
these smug physicists out there that just like they shit all over this this UFO phenomenon is impossible because mm. it doesn't work with their physics, so it simply could possibly not be happening, and the distances are too incredible. I, I just I, I can't wait till they eat just unbelievable amounts of crow if this is actually legit. But of course, this could be another head fake, and it might be another. 50 years before we find out any actual truth. So, Anthony, do you personally believe in aliens? Uh, I don't know about aliens, but you know what? I have I've actually seen a UFO myself in the daylight, like clear as effing day. Like okay. I could damn near throw a baseball at the thing. And it was it was basic. There was nothing spectacular about it. It was silver. It was a disc about the size of like if you put like four cars together, it was about that big. It was not giant. It was not like a huge airplane. And it was just spinning and just rotating. And it was about maybe like 5,000 feet up. And it was just rotating right there. And when was that? It was uh, where I live. I was on my way to work. I was on my way to work. It was it was in the morning, crystal clear blue sky with an, an occasional white puffy cloud, just crystal clear morning. And I was on my way to work and I saw this thing floating in the sky. As I'm driving on the freeway, I see it. And I'm like trying to main, because I couldn't believe it. It was so like, it was like, oh my God, is this happening? I'm going to pinch myself. I'm, I couldn't believe it. And I'm watching it. And as I'm driving to work, I, it was not very far from where I worked, actually. And I, I park into my parking lot. I get out. I'm looking at it. At the time, I didn't have any camera, phone, or anything with me. <laughs> and I was looking around for somebody uh, that was showing up to work where they might have had a camera or something. Because I was like, let's get this thing on camera. And it was just spinning around. But, it, you know, there wasn't anything super spectacular about it other than the fact that there was... You know, I mean, it's just a silver disc that's spinning around. And, and people probably think I'm crazy. Whatever. F it. I'm coming out right now and I'm saying it. I saw an effing UFO. Okay. It might be a freaking drone. It might have been from the military. Why are they flying it over local neighborhoods like where people work? I don't know. But I saw it. So F all, y'all, if you want to say I'm a crazy mofo. This shit is real and I'm talking about it tomorrow. Oh um, yeah. Yeah. Wow. yeah. Yeah. You're not you're not claiming anything. What is UFO? Unidentified flying object. Yeah, That's it is. exactly what you saw. Yep. It was you flying and it was aliens. unidentified. It was flying and it was object and it was unidentified. Yep. It could have been, you know, we don't know what it could have been, but it is what it is. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, cool. Straight daytime. Straight daytime and right there. This was not this was not like some little light in the dark somewhere i saw that shit so anthony was this when you took off your vr goggles and we're like wow, that was <laughs> this is before vr this is a number of this is like um yeah it was before i got into vr actually right wow um yeah actually this should be a very interesting episode then tomorrow of your dark frequencies so yeah check out it's going to happen on vr 365 or do you have your own youtube channel for that No, we have a, there's a dark frequencies channel. It's buried and hidden, but um, I, I tweeted a link to the, to the show yesterday. Okay. And the only reason I got all emotional right there for a quick second <laughs> is because, you know what? No, seriously though, this topic is so freaking ridiculed. People are so scared to talk about it. And that's why, that's why I am emotional about this because you know what people do seriously, I guarantee you there's people that are watching this episode right now that have written me off forever because they think, Oh, he's an effing nut job. And that's <laughs> what they did. That's what, and that was very effective for them to do that. 
because people are scared to death of saying anything about it because they'll come off as a nut job. But things are changing. And, but, and that's what's exciting about this. But that's because of how many numerous fakes are out there, people doing that for, for attention. And how do you expect people to jump right in and to believe everything about it if there are so many other that's fakes true. to filter out first? That's the main reason for me. I'm just, you know, I haven't been following this, but knowing just how many of them were done for attention, for TV screen time, to be on the news, to be, you know, to, to make the name of someone who saw UFO. It's just, it's too complicated to even start diving in and start classifying what's real, what's not. So I, I don't, I don't follow that. Right. Matthew, I yep. think we'll get into it tomorrow. So we'll be talking all about there's it. There's a little noise coming from you, Matthew. So if you don't talk, it would be great if you mute yourself. If yeah, you, a second here. My audio has switched. Let me just fix it. Yeah, all right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So um, I need to fix my audio. One <laughs> second. My headset changed. Right, right. Well, anyways, let me quickly tell you about what, what mm. I have been doing. Mm. So I was, or, or simply try to mute yourself, um, Matthew. You can do it. You can simply do it on, on Skype. Click on the microphone symbol. Or click on Control M <laughs> to mute yourself. Yes, right. Oh, here you go. There, that, we go. there is. There we go. Back. Oh yeah. Okay. That sounds so much better. Okay. Perfect. Um, so I did something in virtual reality, and probably some of you have watched it. I organized a pitch event, uh, Pitch MRTV. I believe that's the very first pitch startup event that completely happened in virtual reality. So I was like organizing it all. I, I was um, like selecting all the startups who could take part. And then I made it all happen in within virtual reality in this app called Spatial. And I must say, this is a really, really fantastic app for productivity. If you are wondering, is there any app where you could like hold a presentation or where, where, where you could discuss a topic or talk about something specific or yeah, just um, meet other people in VR for some kind of productivity reasons, then absolutely check out Spatial. I believe it uh, came across really nice in that, in, uh, in Pitch MRTV. And yeah, I was really um, fascinated by that whole show. <laughs> I personally liked it, probably because I made it, but uh, yeah, I, I really loved it. It was super exciting. What, what do you think about it, Matthew? You, you were part of it. Well yeah, you know, I, I thought you know what the, the weirdest thing about the whole experience is later on when I was you know reflecting on the experience, I feel like I met you. <laughs> yeah, like, we right. haven't met, right? You exactly. and I we chatted over the last couple of years off and on uh, on chat, and yeah, on comments, comments, but yeah. never. In, but I feel like I met you in person. I mean, obviously you're not animated to the full extent that you yeah. could be. But it was you, it felt like. I mean, yeah. I really, it was such a weird experience. <laughs> it, it, for me, the same for me. It was also cool to meet you there and to see you do your presentation. And what I really liked, it's so easy to make to make that avatar, right? You simply switch on- It was. You simply switch on your um, webcam, it takes a picture of you, and boom, there you are in virtual reality. And it looks pretty good. Mm -hmm. it's, it not, it's not perfect. But it, it works really well. Yeah, so that was exciting, like to organize it all and to have like 10 teams pitch. In hindsight, in hindsight it's probably a bit too, too many because it was like a very long show, more than two hours. 
but I was uh, pretty much excited about it, all working well. And even though there were 10 teams, everything worked pretty flawlessly. And yeah, so the first pitch event in completely in virtual reality, it went down pretty well. And yeah, please watch it if you haven't done so yet, called Pitch MRTV on my channel. And what excited me about the whole thing, not just that it's all in VR, but also I want to yeah, have the spotlight on startups. Startups like yours, Matthew, and startups like like whatever whatever we saw there. Like one team, they were doing um, like shoes that you can really walk on in virtual reality. So you you have shoes, and then mm -hmm. there are, there are like some kind of uh, rolls, yeah, or like little tires, and then you walk in reality, and then it lets you walk in virtual reality too. So I think it's cool to have these little startups and to to put them into the spotlight so that a bigger audience can see them. And I'm happy that I can help them a bit on my channel to showcase what they have. Like, for, for, for example, today, Matthew as well. I think so many people are working on extremely cool stuff but nobody knows about it because all of VR YouTube is only talking about the massive update <laughs> that the Quest has. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like it's like completely ridiculous. I think. I mean, it's okay that people do that, right? So I don't want to talk bad about these massive updates <laughs> and people talking about that. But I think there's so much more, and I want to showcase that on my channel. And uh, yeah, simply show people there's so many cool, so much cool stuff outside. And probably I can somehow use the platform that is MRTV to bring people like Matthew together to get with the audience or even like investors or customers. So yeah, I'm actually really, really excited about Pitch MRTV. And that was the first episode. And I will do more. I will make this a format so whenever somebody has something interesting out there, if you're a startup out there and you would like to show your startup to the world, get in touch with me. There's going to be many more Pitch MRTV episodes coming up. So, yeah. Hey, wait, Sebastian, yeah. yep. are you ever mm. going to tell any of the people, um, you know, I'm interested in that, but for that reason, I'm out. You can basically do Shark Tank VR. Yeah, yeah. Actually, pretty much actually, Shark Tank, right? Actually, um, on the long run, I also want to do that. I want to bring in investors that really invest in the startups. And mm -hmm. I do want to do Shark Tank in VR. Mm, interesting. Yeah, right. So so now that would be so cool. Yeah, yeah. So now in the in the ver the first episode, I, I didn't do that, right? Because you could be I, like immersive Matthew for that reason, <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> yeah. Immersive Matthew. <laughs> as much as I liked your pitch. Yeah. I, I'm afraid of dark rise. I'm out. <laughs> no. So, <laughs> so, so yeah. You know, it's funny. <laughs> yeah. It's funny listening to you talk about that, Sebastian, because I yeah. feel like you and I have a, a similar mission. I'm trying to bring more developers to the fray, and you're trying to then take those developers and have them get exposure. Right. Or, or product developers. It has to be app developers. Exactly. Because uh, some of the things there on your channel were uh, the pitches were physical things, which I thought were, was really interesting. It wasn't just software. Right. Yeah, yeah true, true. And we yeah. need, don't you agree, we need like a hundred times Totally more agree. people involved. Absolutely. There should be just a plethora of options because right. you know, a lot of things aren't going to go anywhere. You know, I don't know if dark rides have a place. Maybe they're going to go nowhere and no one wants them. That, that's okay. We're just exploring the space. But there, there are so many opportunities for you and for people to, uh, to pitch their ideas. And some of them are going to be 
you know, the golden, you know, a, a category. It's going to be its own genre one day. I think so, yeah. So, you know, Matthew, I would be super happy if that Pitch MRTV was like the start of something bigger, probably also to today. More people will download your dark ride. Um, please, people, do it. The link is down in the description of this video. So please check it out now. It's on SideQuest. And then you can later understand better why we like it so much. So, yeah, I want to do more of Pitch MRTV. Uh, if you haven't watched it, please watch it. It's a two-hour show with timestamps. So you can uh, have a look at Matthew's pitch and all the other pitches. I really enjoyed it. Um, it was the first show, so we did have some problems. Like later I found out that the microphone, my microphone was terrible. <laughs> and actually I was using <laughs> I was using the Quest 2. And I was thinking like the Quest 2 has a kind of a good microphone, but no. So next time I'm going to use the Valve Index for, for doing the show. But anyways, yes, I do want to do Shark Tank VR. On my, on my channel. It's going to still be called Pitch MRTV, but I'm going to bring in investors with money <laughs> that can simply, directly, uh, yeah, invest into any of the startups. And uh, probably I'm not going to have so many startups, of course, probably just like, I don't know, three. And then, yeah, we can invest. So if you are an, an investor and if you're interested in that, you can also get in touch with me and then we can talk about like doing these shows and yeah, I got really good feedback. Lots of people absolutely enjoyed that. Something new, mm -hmm. right? Something that ha hasn't been there before on VR YouTube. So yeah, I'm really happy about Pitch MRTV. And that was a really good start. Watch it if you haven't done so yet out there. Yeah, but other than that, I celebrated my birthday. Woo! So I had, I had a birthday on 20th of May. So I was at the camping site with my family. We did barbecue and all the good stuff. And that was good. That was good. Other than that, nothing much in VR. Um, checked out uh, version 29 <laughs> of the Quest <laughs> update, a massive update, by the way. And uh, yep, there's it. And we're going to talk about more about it later. Okay, cool. 46 minutes <laughs> for our introduction round. <laughs> that is uh, probably a record. record. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but you know what? It's good because there's not so many topics. So yeah, why not? I could do a whole. To I could do a whole show about uh, cryptocurrency and UFOs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think Anthony is up to it. That uh -huh. we should do that one fine day. Yeah, I think probably there are more people who are also excited about uh, cryptocurrencies in that space, right? In our space, in VR. Okay, but now let's talk about the topics that we have. And yeah, probably we can start with that massive <laughs> quest update that's out there. So, so really, I must say um, Oculus is doing an amazing job updating their software, their software right? Like a, just a version 28 was out a couple of weeks ago and then boom, now it's version 29 and there's always really good and meaningful updates there. So version 29 brings video overlay for casting. It has a file browser now and phone notifications in VR. So let's go through that. Live overlay through smartphone. And um, before I thought it would be like mixed reality, as in something like live, where you are really superimposed into the whole thing, but it seems it's not, honestly speaking. That's what I, I haven't tried it myself, but if you have an iPhone, you can try it out. And then um, what you see on, on the camera, um, it's being shown on, in your VR view or something. Has anyone tried this out actually? Well, it actually is 
like mixed reality. I okay. think there is there might be a reason why they don't want to call it mixed reality. There might be because maybe mixed reality is the term that's reserved by I don't know. Um, they could have a reason maybe they don't want to use it, but basically what they're doing has already been done. But mm -hmm. it has been done by a separate developer who has come up with this functionality by using uh, Apple's sensors, light sensors, and they are person segmentation function for for the camera. So wow. I actually made a video about that. I can that. show it now. Yeah, well, just... Like I have prepared it already. <laughs> yeah, <Yes>. so, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> so the app that... I'm, I'll even say his name. His name is Fabio Della Antonia, and he created... He's an app, uh, Apple app developer, and he created an app called Reality Mixer. Oh, that and looks so good. They're using the camera on the iPhone, not Android phones, only the iPhones with an A12 chips that have this light person segmentation that can separate the person on the foreground and from the background. And that's okay. why, and that's how you can uh, combine this technology with, uh, with the uh, Oculus Mixed Reality Capture Mechanism to create a fully standalone mixed reality app for iOS. And that only works with iPhone XS, um, well, 10S Pro and higher because those have chips A12 or higher. And that works. Just your phone, no green screen. That is incredible. No computer, no camera, like external camera, no green screen, just your phone and, the, and you know, with, with that chip, you set it up, you calibrate, which is extremely easy, so much easier than the MRC and, and even live. And that's it. It's not, you know, as good. But come on, like you just have your phone and you're doing it. And that's it's pretty uh, fantastic. It yeah. definitely works. And so he was the first person who combined this technology, but he always knew that Oculus will catch up, they will do it, and they will not give him any credit. <laughs> <laughs> it happened. It happened. His app is open source, so he's not claiming any rights. But of course it would have been nice to mention, but of course they are not going to right. do that. And now they're showing it off as something revolutionary and never before heard of, even though my video with that has been since last year. And he has tons of different videos, too. Okay. And you can also do augmented reality videos with that. Okay, and that sounds my, great. I will be making a video, too, about it. There are, some, there are some games that actually look better with a fake augmented reality view where you can see your own background. But you also see like 3D objects that you're manipulating with in front of you, like the puzzling places, mm -hmm. the one that you're putting together, castles and everything. You right. can use that function so that you're in your living room and you're putting together this 3D castle. It looks really, really cool. And I don't know if this, um, um, the update that Quest is bringing will do the same. Mm -hmm. But now that it's native for Quest 2, uh, they will be able to improve it. Yeah, and right. Reality Mixer couldn't. So they were, you know, the developer was locked down within the capabilities of that app and of the whatever iPhone was bringing. But now we might be able to see a slightly better quality of these mixed reality. Yeah, but, but actually it seems no, because um, on Road to VR it says... Um, a previous version of this article reported that V29 Quest software added a mixed reality capture feature. This was mistaken. The live overlay feature superimposes the smartphone camera view on top of the usual first-person VR view rather than placing the user into the virtual scene. 
So, so what you've been trying out there like a month ago, that's really mixed mm. reality where they are in, where you are in the scene, right? Just like, yeah. yeah and, and this seems to be just, okay, you are somehow right. just in the VR scene, but just superimposed and not so interesting. Yeah. Is there anyone in chat who has tried out this feature, please let us know about your experiences. Would be interesting to find out what you thought. Then, what else? Yeah, is the, I yeah. want to know as well. If I can interject, I want to know right. as well. I I know I need to do a mixed reality video to show someone sitting in the Meta Mover, the Omni Mover. I call it the Meta Mover. Yeah. Don't get any copyright <laughs> infringements with Disney, but uh, I want to get a video of someone sitting in it. So in chat, what is the best tool? I can do green screen. I have a. I have the Quest. I have an index. I can do. I can do the iPhone app. Or I can go all the way through the full green screen. What's the best way to, for me to capture? What tool? I haven't looked at it at all yet. So I'd love to I, know. I think. Chat. I think from you, it should be live. If you yeah. have a, if you yeah. have a green yeah. screen, it's so good. It's so good, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. Anyways, what's new? What else is new in the V twenty nine smartphone notifications in virtual reality? If you have an iOS device, that doesn't work on. Android yet, but it's coming soon for Android. It's uh, of course scary. useful. Scary, <laughs> scary. Yeah, well, yeah. I don't want to give Facebook access to all of my notifications. Yeah, then they know all my notifications. Right. We know their history with that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I <laughs> yeah, even, now, I even didn't think about this. Right How is there. it possible? Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, yeah. There's now a file browser with downloading and uploading from the web. So that could be mm. useful if you. Probably um, mm -hmm. you have just recorded a video on the Quest, and now you can actually use the browser to upload it to your Dropbox, for example. So that is a very yeah. nice update. I I'm curious how fast mm -hmm. that would take, but like mm -hmm. that feature is actually huge for me personally because, like, I just recorded a, um, I did a Wraith gameplay video, and it was on my Quest One, and for some reason, so I bought this new. USB card that has you know the little mini USB that that they use right and whenever I plug the cable to it in my computer it like for some reason it it like sometimes will see it sometimes doesn't and then if I take my quest and go use this other laptop then finally it sees it and I can get into the file and I can get that video so if there's a way I can bypass all of that and just like send it through the cloud to like my Google yeah. Drive or something. That's great, but mm -hmm. how long does it take to do that? But right. it would be a good idea. So Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's good that, that it's there now. More possibilities. It's pretty neat. Then one big thing, and I think that's great for all the content creators out there, is that now the microphone works whenever you record your gameplay. And th there was like a big headache for lots of creators that it wouldn't pick up your own voice. Yeah, you just, so oh. you couldn't just talk over it or you had to somehow record your voice separately from the video. But that is now um, not a problem anymore. And I checked it out. First, when I got the 29 update, it didn't work. But then after I restarted the device several times, then it was there. So, uh, yeah, it works really, really nicely. And, um, yeah, you can finally simply record your own gameplay with your voice. It's, uh, oh, it's So, it's can I ask, Sebastian? Yeah, of course. Is, is the quality better than what we had in Spatial? Because I had yes. that weird... Yes. Issue is with my audio. Now they're also on a quest too, like you. Yeah, probably it was so a spatial issue. Yeah, perhaps, hmm? perhaps it is because when I did my own oh. recordings now with the Quest Two and this new feature, it sounded perfect. It sounded really mm. just perfect. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, spatial yeah. team, you got a yeah, spatial exactly. Audio. Yeah, well, like, I guess 
Something I guess wrong. you can still get better microphones out there, but I think as a content creator, I will still use an external microphone okay. even though there is this function. Why? Mm -hmm. Because quite often I mute parts of the audio that got ah, cut off. If okay. there's something that I don't want to be heard right. or if I, after I maybe say something, I realize that, oh, it actually makes right. more sense to let the viewers hear what's going on in the game instead of what I said. So mm -hmm. I just like yeah, yeah. cut it away. And I really, it's very important for me to have those separate tracks. Okay, so that, that makes I can sense. Them. That but makes it does, sense. Very, but it is very good for maybe the beginning content creators who yeah. don't have maybe the financial means to uh, invest in beginners. the microphone. So, yeah, it's <laughs> and they don't care about the production values. <laughs> yeah, yeah but, hey, they should, everyone should. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's good that we, that we have this now. But what I still think it's a bit lacking is that when you record, you still get that strange um, square recording. It's not like the, the typical 16 by nine, you still get that square recording. Of course you can change that inside quest, but it's not like it would not stay in this way. Ne the next time you start your quest again, you again have to change it inside quest or or do I do something wrong with it? I don't know. Yeah. So it's, it's not so cool, I think. And it, also what I'm still missing is the ability to simply stream to, to YouTube. You know, because right now you can simply um, stream to Facebook, but who wants to stream to Facebook? Nobody. <laughs> so I, I want to I want to stream to YouTube, obviously. And I believe yes. that Oculus or Facebook, they would actually do themselves a favor because so much more Quest content would be on YouTube. So many more people would be streaming if it was simple to do that. But they don't. Mm -hmm. And that's just for political reasons, which doesn't make sense in my It opinion. is. And they're only actually shortcoming themselves. Like they're spiting exactly. themselves right now. I, exactly. I don't know why Facebook is taking such a defensive position, right. like putting all these walls up. And it just shows a sign of weakness. Agreed. And I'm like, is Facebook weaker than they're trying to project? Yeah, I don't know. It seems like that. Like I love it on my PlayStation 4 that I can simply stream to Twitch or to YouTube if I want. And I can even read mm -hmm. the chat in VR. It's so well done. Right? And if, if they had this function, it would be great for them, but yeah. they don't I have don't it. It's a huge opportunity. A, yeah. I don't know if that's weakness or maybe it's pride. Maybe they take so much pride in being That is exclusive. weakness, in my opinion, then. <laughs> yeah, pride is weakness, I agree. Yeah, right. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. That's what yeah. starts wars. Exactly, exactly. Weak. You don't have to fight when you're weak. Totally agree, totally agree. Lead otherwise, right? Right. So what's, what else is new? Multi-user counts come to the original quest. That is probably yes. also like a good news, right, for everyone with the, with the quest one, that you can now share your games with your family and have multiple accounts on quest one. Yeah, good news. I think in general, I can just say that Facebook is doing a great job, like, pumping out those updates and there's always something new. Yeah, always new massive update videos <laughs> that YouTubers can do. It's amazing. It's, it's really pretty I, cool. cool. Yeah, I, they really are doing a bang up job. You're on really, pushing really. the industry forward. No one else is doing this. Maybe they are. Maybe Apple's doing it behind closed doors. We're not seeing their innovation. But I mean, Facebook is really pushing it forward and showing yeah. us. And some we like and some we don't like. But right. at least they're like continually to, to move it forward. And I think this is a really smart on their part. Absolutely. I, wanted, I yeah. wanted to comment on the last update that you mentioned, that the multi-user account comes to original quest. I did not expect that. Did you? 
Um, Did you actually think that that would happen after they started releasing games that are Quest 2 exclusive games? It's so easy for them to make them on both. (laughs) And now they're making it possible for users to share games for free with someone who has an original Quest without buying Quest 2. I don't, it doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, but it does require. but it requires a Facebook account, though. So, like, I have a Quest One that has one of those old Oculus accounts that hasn't done the whole Facebook thing, you know, <laughs> and it expires like at midnight in 2023 or whatever when that sh- when it happens, right? It turns back into a pump. That'll be a video. <laughs> yeah, but um, I can't do anything with this multi-user account because this isn't connected to Facebook. So it does. So everybody, like, to use this feature, you got to Facebook it up, baby. You're and right. I'm sure a lot of people will, and it won't well, be. They a big decided deal. that it's worth it. They decided it's worth to give these people these games for free to share in exchange for the yeah. data. Facebook. Yeah, right. exactly. Facebook. So they made this decision so that more people will connect with their Facebook accounts. Makes sense for them. Makes lots yeah. of sense. Yeah. Right, right. So that is the Quest Update 29. So the next. Okay, wait. Yeah, wait. Okay. One more little aspect of sure. this Quest Update 29 is they also announced about their app advertisements. Did you guys see oh, that right. part? Because yes. exactly. No, right. here's the oh, real yeah. key. Can I just give you guys one? Okay, this is the real key. Real key. Okay. So they're doing these app advertisements for the Oculus smartphone app where they're going to allow developers to pay cash money to get sponsored positions on the app so that more users can see it. So in in the past, some random developer like Ian Fitz from The Thrill of the Fight, you know, his game, The Thrill of the Fight, might be accidentally featured for whatever accidental reason (laughs) via the algorithm, and then he gets a hell of a lot more sales because it just happened to be featured, right? Well, now... Facebook is like, wait, we can monetize this. Oh my we God. can charge this placement oh to developers. But that's not the bad part. Here's okay. the bad part. Okay, so while this is purportedly restricted to the smartphone app for now, Oculus also alludes to forthcoming in-headset advertising. We're exploring other ways for people to mm-hmm. interact with brands on the Oculus platform, including within the headset. And we'll keep you updated on what we're working on. It has begun, ladies of and course. gentlemen. Advertisements in our headsets. Yeah, I told you so. <laughs> I yeah. told you so. They will. They're going to totally data mine, data mine whatever well, you that's do. That's not data mining. That's no, yeah. us with beautiful data. Right, yeah. of course, right. But they, of course, they are data mining you to find out what kind of ads are interesting for you that might even be positive for some people. And well, that's just how it's going to work. And that's how Facebook makes money. It's not the games, you know, it's your data, it, it's advertising, and it's happening very soon on a quest near you. <laughs> enjoy yeah, right. the, enjoy our days are counted. Enjoy the last few months, years right. without any ads. Well, wait, a quick question for you guys is, okay, so let's say ads have to come, like ads are coming into our headset. We've got to deal with this. Is there an idea that you have for a fair way to deal with ads where it works for everybody. Like, can you, like one one way I think it could be kind of fair is how many times have you been in a VR headset, you're, you're starting a game up and you're just waiting and you're just in a black void. Uh-huh. And so if they could figure out like, oh, there's gonna be 30 seconds of you being in a black void and during this 30 second of black void that you'd be experiencing anyway, we're gonna put a floating ad over there. 
to give you something to look at. Now, I have no problem with that whatsoever. In fact, that actually makes it a slightly better experience because just being in a black void is not that fun. So I'd be cool with that, but I'm just wondering, do you guys have any other ideas? Um, yeah, that, that actually doesn't sound so bad. If if I would get then the viewer for free, the quest. <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on, I'm, I'm I'm earning them lots of money. Why should I even pay mm -hmm. for that viewer? For that viewer, is the, is the duration of that blackness always fixed across all the no. headsets? No. no, I mean all the headsets, but different games have different. Yeah, times, of course, right? depends so totally. Yeah, it would be quite complicated. I mean. It's interesting to me for me to think about how that different advertise you know the companies that would pay more if it's a thirty second less if it's just a ten second very short blackness but yeah it's I would I be there anyway I think that is that is of course doable but what I believe is going to happen it's soon we are in that virtual world like for example we are in Horizon right in Facebook Horizon and then. Most probably, there are going to be in VR assets like a Coca-Cola uh, <laughs> bottle, for example, yeah. standing around. Starbucks. There. Yeah, or Starbucks, or I don't know, or some kind of yeah. posters, or, or like uh, suddenly there is a Tesla standing in, uh, outside of your house. Oh, hold <laughs> you on. <also> <laughs> hold on. But do we see it in flat screen games? Do you see Coca-Cola and Tesla in... Um, Red Dead Redemption too. That's like, a good point. So well, you yeah. do in Why? sports games though. Like sports games will have like their halftime shows will be like like yeah. they have lots of stuff like that. Well, but but see... it's kind of part of the sport too to make it more authentic. Right, but right. I don't see why it should be any different in that aspect from flat screens in VR. Yeah, but probably it's more immersive when you're really there and then there is this um Coca-Cola bottle and you grab it and you look at it and yeah, probably that's not, <laughs> yes. not it's kind of interesting. It all matters, <laughs> it depends on how much Coca-Cola is willing to pay, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let's see. I really feel like that this is one of the last breaths of that industry actually. I feel like that where we're heading is more into a decentralized model. Like you won't be going to the Quest store to get your content in the future. In the future you'll just go into the blockchain, some blockchain service and that doesn't matter which one, one will rise at some point. And you can go and say, for instance, my ride, you just go and experience it and you pay some very small amount automatically of cryptocurrency and small because everyone who tries it pays that same amount. There's no way of like copying it and selling it somewhere else, you know, and, and kind of, you know, plagiarizing it. You can't do that in the blockchain world because it's all tied back to your, to who you are and your token or whatever it might be. So I think we're going to see a lot of like the, Facebook's of the world right now. They're trying to grab as much as they can in this advertising space, and it's scary because they want to track so much about us. And once eye tracking comes in there, and they do say that eye tracking is the windows to the soul, it's, it's a it's a big risk. And so I think that we we have alternatives, and I think we're going to see the rise of decentralization, not just in cryptocurrency, yeah, of course, but in lots of online digital services. So I think this is their heyday, but I don't I don't I think you're gonna have a choice in the future. You can still go down that path, it won't go away. You can still choose to get a free device and get advertised to if you want, but there will be truly ways of going about it in in, in you know more genuine ways. You don't have to sell your soul, your identity to get it. <laughs> Yeah, I totally agree with you, uh, Matthew. But it's still a bit away. But I also agree that like um, bit away. the Google and Facebooks, they must be really afraid of blockchain, right? Of something. There is but going to be a decentralized YouTube. It's already there. It's called Odyssey.com. And uh, MRTV is also there already, for example. And there is going to be a, a Twitter 
that is like decentralized where nobody can mm -hmm. like um like say okay no your account is now blocked no it's not going to it's not going to work it's it's a very exciting very exciting future that blockchain is going to give us wow today is the blockchain episode of the next dimension <laughs> podcast like it, eh? yeah yeah we have to do that one point in time it's just so exciting and i'm very very thrilled about blockchain in general Yep, but now let's get back to virtual reality. <laughs> so, another interesting topic. Red Dead Redemption 2 is now VR compatible. So, that works with a mod. And that mod, that um, Red Dead Redemption 2 mod, was done by Luke Ross. And Luke Ross has already done a very impressive mod for Grand Theft Auto V. And now he puts all his effort into Red Dead Redemption 2. And you can play the game now in virtual reality if you become a Patreon of Luke Ross. It's going to set you back $10. And then you get all the files that you need to mod the PC version of Red Dead Redemption. So obviously this is only going to work on PC. You will get the, the files and you have to copy them into a certain folder. And then you can bang away and you can play Red Dead Redemption 2 in virtual reality, but without motion controllers. You're still going, you're going to play it with uh, yeah, a joypad, or th that's probably what I believe you're going to do. Oh, really? Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep, right, right. I don't love those solutions, but I mean, the game is great, so maybe it would be awesome still sitting down to with be a there, controller. Yeah, yeah mm -hmm. I, probably, probably. The only thing that I heard so far, it is very um how i say uh, you need lots of performance to make it happen mm -hmm. you would probably mm -hmm. need like i don't know like a 3080 or what to have like a really fluent experience uh like a really um yeah flu yeah very nice um high fps experience and if you don't it's going to be a bit tough so unfortunately i have not tried it yet i didn't have the chance to try it yet uh, i really want to And I haven't played Red Dead Redemption 2. I only played the first part, but I heard the second yeah, part same. obviously is all is like very great, right? Like people love it. So has any of you played Red Dead Redemption 2 and are you going to play it in virtual reality? Matthew, uh, let me ask you, are you, is it something that excites you? I was until you said the controller. Now I won't rule <laughs> it out. But I have played some seated games that use controller and they work great. So I'm going to do a little more research. I'm, I'm intrigued, but I must admit, I, when I was playing Cyberpunk 2077 on the flat screen recently, I wanted to try it in VR so bad. I wanted to reach out and grab the items off the shelf versus pressing the button on the controller. Mm -hmm. And it, it, so much so that it ruined the game for me. I could no longer play a flat screen <laughs> game. It's just too frustrating. Yeah. And so I even went and bought the Vorpex yeah, right, right. to make it more VR. And it's not really VR, as you probably know in most yeah. games. Uh, it's like a 3D screen you're squished up against. And so I gave up. And to the point where I think this game, unless it really gives me the world that I really want, I feel like anything else is just such a tease that it's actually more <laughs> frustrating and makes me angry than actually enjoyable. I don't know about um, all you. I yeah. would love to try it. Yeah, I, I, I don't have nearly 3080 or 3090, but that's honestly, that just, I keep telling myself, come on, you don't need that. You, You can live without those games. Like, you're fine, maybe <laughs> later. But more and more games coming out. Now it's Red Dead Redemption 2. Like, dang it. Like, I really want to try it in VR. So it's just one of those things that will make me put more money aside and keep, keep, keep waiting for the moment I can actually 
get that and try it. It's mm. definitely one of those things. Right. And I, I believe that because there is a lack of these AAA games, yeah, we all are waiting for the Alex mm -hmm. VR number two or something, right? I, because of that, I believe that it's great that there are mods like this, that you can now play GTA mm -hmm. 5 in VR and they can play Red Dead Redemption 2. And I, I haven't even played Red Dead Redemption 2 in flat. So I think it's fantastic that people like Luke Ross, like, like putting all their time and effort into these mods and they work great, right? Also, we had that uh, Quake mod, uh, that Doom mod recently that also works really well. And I'm happy that even w when there are no like real AAA VR games coming out right now, then we can at least play those older titles. What do you think about it, Anthony? Is it something that, it, that interests you? Well, I don't know. I, I got a, a number of different takes on this subject because I, I'm just thinking about graphics cards, actually. Mm. And one of the things that I'm thinking about, so I have a 1080 Ti, right? And at one time, the 1080 Ti was the king of the hill. And it was like, <laughs> oh, you've got a 1080 Ti. That's awesome. And that was a number of years back, of course. And so now we have all these other graphics cards that are out there now. But the thing is, like, even if you had crazy money to blow, you can't easily buy one. They're pretty much impossible to get. And even if they were available, they're crazy expensive. And then also, like, I remember the old days. Like, I was a, I was a hardcore PC gamer in the very late 90s when the whole graphics card thing first got started with, like, 3DFX graphics cards and all of that back when the first Unreal came out. I remember, okay, I'm talking about Unreal, the single-player game, not Unreal Tournament, the very first Unreal. It was, like, 1998 or 1997 or something. And that game, literally, you had to buy a new graphics card to play the game. Like, you, mm -hmm. you couldn't even play the game. You had to buy this brand-new $500 graphics card to play it. And But it was like, okay, I pay $500 for this super elite graphics card. This is in the late 90s. And now I can play Unreal. This is incredible. Now we fast forward to the modern day of graphics cards. And I can get a 3090, pay a crazy amount of money to get a 3090. And I still can't even like play every single game flawlessly. Whatever happened, like what happened to the performances of graphics cards? Whatever happened to the day when you bought the Elite Supreme graphics card and it took you to an entirely new level and you were on a higher plane than everybody else <laughs> and you were living a dream. And now it's like, oh yeah, you get that 3090 graphics card. Oh, congratulations. You got like five extra frames and it's a little bit smoother for you. So I don't know. I'm I'm kind of frustrated because like I don't have the graphics card to be able to run this properly. So I've never tried the Grand Theft Auto mod. I haven't tried this mod. The mods that I have done is like Subnautica and also uh, Alien. What's the Alien one? Uh, alien Abduction? No, no. Um, alien. You know Isolation. the Alien game? Yeah. Yeah. Alien Isolation. So I've, I've tried mm -hmm. those and those work great, but they don't require 3090s. And it's like these these like GTA mods and the Red Dead Redemption 2 mod. It's like, yeah, the game kind of where I kind of agree with Matthew on this one, where it's like there's certain sequences where you're in the game and you're like, oh, my God, this whole thing is working. This is incredible. I'm in VR Red Dead Redemption. This is amazing. 
And there's yeah. like these little brief moments where it works like that. But then there's like janktacular moments all throughout <laughs> as well that really break your head, give you, you know, I mean, being on a horse, I didn't think about this. Being on a horse, bouncing up and down. That's what Red Dead Redemption is all about, man. Yeah, you're, you're on right. a horse the whole time. Hey, Anthony, I, I want to respond to your comment about the 3090, um, you know, needing it to do some of these experiences. And this has probably been one of the biggest, you know, developer insights, going really deep into the into a hardware like the Quest. I've really gotten familiar with that hardware. And what I've noticed is that when I go out, as a new developer, and I want to go get some assets, right, from the, all the different asset stores that, you know, you can go and download 3D content. Almost all of it is really inefficiently designed because they know you got a 3090. So they don't have to make that art really tight, really efficient, you know, reducing the polygons but still maintain the look, giving it really good textures, you know, and, and normal mapping and all this sort of stuff. They, they, they go... They go really sloppy, I noticed. And then just like a little bit, but almost every asset I've downloaded maybe works great on your 3090, but it runs like not like dog on the quest. And the quest forces you to really look at that asset. And when you do, you're like, oh my goodness, this thing is so inefficient. Like how many draw calls is this gonna get from all these materials as an example? So you then have to kind of massage that asset to get it into the format. And when you do that, you realize, well, I've got an asset that performs 100 times better than when it did on the PC. So how much better can the 3090 really do if the things it was working with was more efficient? And a lot of PC developers don't want to do the Quest development because the optimization to do that is really painful. So in a lot of ways, we have all these powerful graphics cards, but the industry has gotten, I don't want to say the word lazy, but maybe it's lazy because back when you bought that $500 video card back in 1997, you know that would, they were really using every last ounce of that card to push out the best graphics. But as the hardware's gotten better, I don't think we've gotten the efficiency. I think we've kind of gone a little lazy. And yeah, we're seeing improvements, but only because the hardware's so much better. Not because we've really gotten down to how do we make this game efficient? How All do we right. reduce our draw calls and really make it sing? And we're not there. So we're paying like, almost like a tax. We're not getting much value out of it because we're paying for these video cards that no one's really using. People are not really tapping into those video cards. That's mm -hmm. the long and short of it. All right. It's time now for Cloud Believer Sebastian to tell you that you're not going to buy graphics cards anymore. Believe me, I'm so <laughs> sure you guys right. are not going to buy graphics cards anymore in a couple of years. In, in the very near future, again, I must tell you, I'm using Plutosphere. I have a Plutosphere account. I can stream all of my SteamVR games to my Quest 2, and it works just like a charm. And I will make videos about this once. Very soon, I'm back to making normal videos on my channel, and I'm going to show it to you. And we're going to have the CEO of Plutosphere on my channel and uh, awesome. it's, it's going to be oh, really good. good. And I have it, for me it's a, re it's a reality right now that I wouldn't need a gaming PC to play the PC VR games on my Quest. It is mind-blowing. And Germany is not even known for our fast internet connections, yeah? But it works really flawlessly. It's amazing. And, um, yeah, so whenever I hear people talk about, oh, the graphics cards and 3090, I'm just thinking, like, you, you guys are talking about, like, oh, you need that high-end Blu-ray player to play your Blu-rays. Yeah, it's, it's, it's always like that. It's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. it's, 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 yeah, yeah. it's ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, in a couple of years... All this talk is nothing because everything's going to be streamed to your devices. I needed so to say with that this. Said, then, 
With that said, Sebastian, yeah. maybe a tip to all the developers out there. If you're resisting going down the quest path, because it's a pain, it is, Yeah, you're going to benefit in the long run. Because once cloud computing becomes the way we serve content to VR headsets, you're going to want to make sure your code and everything's running efficiently, because you're going to be charged by the, you know, the clock tick. That's how you're going to pay for your service Perhaps, and then yeah. make profit on that when you sell your game or your whatever your app, whatever it might be. So, yeah, we're going to mm -hmm. all have to. Developers are going to really have to go through the pain of getting more efficient when they write their code and, and do their graphics we'll and whatnot. We'll see how, how yeah. they're going to make that happen. We'll see. Once everything mm -hmm. is in the cloud. Right now, yeah, if you're going to pay for that uh, computer in the cloud and, yeah, you can play all the PC VR games there. Oh, wow. I'm so excited about this topic. As you probably know, <laughs> watching MRTV. Yep, I really want to get into that business. So let's talk about the next topic. And the next topic is about Deca Move. So the mm -hmm. VR locomotion device, Deca Move, attracts 350,000 K US dollars in a pre-order campaign. Wow, $350,000. That is really amazing. Congratulations to Decagear, and Decagear has also pitched on Pitch MRTV. That was really cool as well. So yeah, very successful. For all of you who don't know what the Decamove is, it is this little device that you, that you see here on my screen, and you would clip it to your hip, for example, and what it does, it is simply a little device that can check your um, orientation, in which direction is your hip looking actually. And it decouples it from your gaze and also from your hand motion. So, because right now, whenever there's a VR game, either it depends on where you look at, in which direction you walk, or where you are, where your um, controller points at for the free locomotion. But now, when you're using the Decker Move, um, you, when you click forward, on your controller, it's going to move into the direction that your hip points at. And uh, I've tried it myself. I, I got the, an early version of the Deca Move, and I was surprised how well it works. So, congratulations, Deca, for attracting mm -hmm. 350,000 in a pre-order campaign. And I, I simply want to ask you, uh, for example, Matthew, um, what are your thoughts? on this kind of um, locomotion device. Uh, is it something that interests you, that piques your interest? It does, because I, when, I, when I do my animation for my ride, I, I put on an 11-point tracking system. Oh, yeah, just we're going to talk about this, just yes. the hip, Having just the hip alone, I've noticed, uh, brings something, uh, it brings like a, a, a self-presence into the space. I don't know why, maybe that's because your center of gravity is brought into the equation, but it makes a difference. So I am curious about this device. I know they had an iPhone app you can try out. Yeah, you I can. Believe, you can not. try it out right now if you don't want to mm -hmm. buy it. You can for I free. Try that. Yeah, yeah, try it out. It's. Uh, I think yeah. you can. Uh, you can try it out. And uh, actually, I think it's really cool that they make this app for free, right? So that you can try yeah. if it's something for you. Okay. If you like mm -hmm. it, you simply buy the actual device for fifty nine dollars, which is really not the world for. Hardware for VR, for VR hardware, yeah, where everything's expensive. Yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. Tatiana, what are your thoughts on the device? 
Well, my thoughts are that I think that this revenue was brought largely by all the YouTubers that started testing it. When right. it just like came out, there was this wave. Mm -hmm. Literally all the VR YouTubers started doing it. I mean, you did it. Your I video was it. great. And I watched a couple yeah. more. But it is what makes it so noticeable because every yeah, right. single review brought something new, a different perspective, and very authentic experience that li literally shows people what it is and how it works if i didn't see you know those videos and i just read about it you know maybe yeah i would get curious but still 60 dollars how does it right. work is it, is it actually easy to install so they should thank you <laughs> for making that video <laughs> you're right they did thank me already for that yeah of course but um if they have this app which by the way i didn't know they had a free app uh, i wonder if there were many people who will just think oh my iPhone works really great. Why should I spend extra $60 <laughs> on it? Do you think that, what would convince mm. them to actually buy a device? Well, the fact that the control your controllers, like there's a problem if you use um, a phone, your controllers have a similar, like it, it, anytime your controllers will get really close to the phone, the actual use of it will degrade because they both have these similar Bluetooth? magnets in them. Okay, ah yeah, the IMUs, okay. Got it. Okay, yeah. Also, probably you simply want to have this dedicated device, yeah. right? And, and use it. Mm -hmm, right. Probably. I think it's great that they make this happen. That they that, you, that they say you can try it for free with your phone. If you mm -hmm. like it, go buy the, the hardware. I love it. Actually, I really, really That's love smart. it. It's smart. It's smart, yeah. It's, it's great. Yeah, because I think a lot of things with VR, this is the biggest problem with VR, including VR itself, is how do you tell someone else about an experience? Yeah. They can see a, a trailer of it, you know, or something on their flat screen monitor. But we all know it's just not the same thing as being there. Right. And so I think that's smart then to get you to try it, maybe not in the most perfect way, but they believe in their product that when you put they it do. on, you're like, oh, that does make a difference. Yeah. So that's what we, you know, that's the only way you're going to invest money and get involved with if you if you really know it. And it's you got to use VR to do it. Right. You got to show people with VR. Exactly. Uh -huh. My biggest challenge, I think my biggest challenge with Dark Ride is how do you get people to even bother? Because I could like totally dismiss that if I saw it in the store. I would dismiss it, not <laughs> right. realizing how cool it actually you, can you be. You must try it. And I agree uh -huh. with what Tatiana said, really. It's like I think the VR YouTubers, like we are kind of important to show this stuff to people. Yeah. <laughs> no, really. I believe if, yeah, if uh, the VR YouTubers wouldn't have been excited about it, Right then, um, nobody would have bought the Deca Move. Right, they wouldn't. They wouldn't even, even, know, even know, probably. Yeah, right. But the thing yeah, is, absolutely. that those VR YouTubers that tried it, like we were honestly excited about it. Right. Like, hey, I have a question yeah, of for like the people that did try it. Do you know yeah. if anybody? Um, you know how there are some people they cannot, they they have to use teleportation. Like they right. can't handle because you know the other. Sick. Oh yeah. 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 Do you know if any of those people were able to actually use this with thumbstick as a combination and they're able to survive? Because if that's the case, I definitely see this being a great thing. Other I'll than that, it. though, you, <laughs> I you, haven't tested because, it yet, but okay. I'll test it. That's the video oh, that I will make. I mean, I've been oh, putting cool. it off just because I do use teleportation and I already saw bajillions of videos about it. And I thought, well, you know, there are other things that I can talk about right now but maybe later so i do want to try it and see if it makes difference because i'm i'm actually feeling that i'm getting better at mm -hmm. walking a constant locomotion i'm more resilient now 
but but I still know that there are <laughs> ways for me to improve. Right. And I think I'm at the place where I can test it and see if it works. Okay. I will let the DECA people know <laughs> about you wanting to try it. Great. Yeah. Yeah, very good, very good. So, but I also believe that you are going to grow your VR legs if you play just like more, just like you said, right? It's, you're getting used to it. You're getting used to it. Yeah. I think. That's for sure. Cool, cool. Um, Anthony, uh, what are your thoughts uh, about this device? Do you think it can make a difference? Uh, are you interested in it or do you think like, ah, no? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I'm looking at it. I, I've seen the video on it and... At first, I was like, what's going on here? I don't get what the whole idea is. See, the problem is, is like, I use controller-based locomotion. So, like, okay. it'll be tied to my controller. So, I'm looking. So, I don't have a problem moving my head. Like, a big thing that they talked about in the video for this is, you have the freedom now to move your head. Well, you have the freedom to move your head if you use controller-based locomotion as well. Now, the downside of con the, the idea of, like, well, why is this better than controller-based locomotion? Well, there the thing that they would say is like you have to dedicate one hand to movement and so if you're doing something where you're like moving and you want to like you can't move at the same time and do like a mm -hmm. bow shot but i don't think you could do that with this either because you're still using the thumbstick to give you the four to to all this does is the direction this does direction. Like some exactly, people were yeah. watching this video and they were like, wait, does it move automatically? How do I stop? How do I go back? No, what this does is it does your direction. You still use your thumbstick for the movement. So there's only like very small use cases where somebody's like turning around and shooting this guy and moving this way. And that's the only way this will work if I have DECA move. And it's like, yeah, okay. But that's like one in a million scenario where DECA move like saves your ass and makes it incredible. But for the other 99.9% .9 of everything is, it, you know, I don't know for me, mm -hmm. with I'm being able too. to do hand, hand aiming locomotion works perfectly fine for me. I don't really see the benefit here. It does have a little haptic thing. I wish it was tracked so that it could build better uh, inverse kinematic full body animation or something, but you know, yeah, I also thought like you, um, dear Anthony, but then I found out like in some situations, it is really cool that your emotion does not depend on your hands. Like I can move forward and then I can look back and point my guns at the bad guys <laughs> there uh -huh. while yeah. still moving away from them, you know? Mm -hmm. So so for these kind of things, it was really actually uh -huh. really pretty cool. And uh, yeah, you can try it out with the free um, phone app and see if you like it, right? It, it's, it's for free mm. and you can find out. Yeah, cool. Congratulations to the DECA team. And of course, we're all looking forward to the DECA gear headset. Um, hopefully they, they will um, get their bloggers edition ready very soon. And uh, then hopefully I can show it to you on the channel. One headset that can I, I can't Sebastian yeah, about that product. What? I, uh, so is is it is it designed primarily for people who are playing multiplayer first person shooters? Is that where the the advantage really becomes? I, th I think so. Like the selling feature. I think mm -hmm. so. Yeah, yeah. Like this should be one of the the one of the selling features, especially for those. Right. Not playing Apex Construct and walking around. Yeah, it might help. Probably. But not giving you any kind of edge as a wood yeah, in a in a exactly. multiplayer probably situation. Probably more, I see. more okay. discount. Exactly. Yep. Okay. So yeah, I was talking about the the Deca Gear, their headset. They are still working on it, and their bloggers edition that they're going to send out to uh, VR YouTubers is going to come out in two, two or three months. They told me in the pitch, 
at Pitch MRTV. So that's good. And um, yeah, hopefully soon I can show you this headset. One headset that I can show you next week already is the Vive Pro 2. It is on my way. It's on its way to the MRTV headquarter. And of course, I'm looking forward to check it out and find out about yeah, the FOV and if there's like God rays mm -hmm. and all this kind of stuff. So make sure to watch MRTV next week. It's going to happen. I will show you the Vive Pro 2 and I'm going to check it out for you. All right. I am so curious. Cannot wait for that one, Sebastian. Oh, yeah. I'm Thank you, man. Especially the FOV. Yeah, I, me I, too. I, I heard your comments. I agree with you. I'm suspicious, but I'm let's also, hope. I'm also a bit suspicious. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, let's see. Let's see. Like uh, Mr. Alvin Wang Graylin, the HTC China president, in a tweet, he has said it is 120 degrees horizontal and it's the, the biggest and most incredible FOV that we've seen in a standalone headset. So, okay, okay. I will totally okay. check it out. And next week, <laughs> the time is going to come and um, I will. Check that out for you. So make sure to watch MRTV next week. All right. What we day next week? Do you know yet? Um, yep. It's going to arrive at the MRTV headquarter on Tuesday. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> so that's going to be super exciting. Um, yeah. So let's go to one more topic before we talk about the dark rides, before we talk about immersive Matthews dark rides. And that that is like a very cool video that I watched, and it's about a new Google technology. Google came out with Project Starline, and it's a light field display system for immersive video calls. So it's not like our video calls that we do right now on that 2D screen, no. It is uh, completely in 3D. So there's lots of sensors checking you out in 3D, and you're, you're sitting in front of like a huge light field display, which allows you to see in 3D without glasses. And what um, Google has done here, actually, it is it feels a bit like magic. <coughs> so let's have a look at, at the video together. So all the people who are listening to that, please do check out the video version <laughs> of this podcast. And yeah, let's have a look. It's uh, so... These two people here, or these three people here, or these people talking to each other, they are not sitting in the same room. They are in totally different locations. And Google has also like improved the technology, like the compression, in order to send this massive amount of data over the interwebs. <laughs> so what do you see here? 3D imaging. You see here uh, this lady, um, uh, a 3D image of her is being captured with all these sensors. And then this is sent through the internet. And on the other side, there is this uh, 3D display, the light field display. And then it, f it feels like, at least in the video, it looks like, it feels like you are in the same room with the people that you talk to. Wow. <laughs> I think it's, that's pretty pretty cool. What are your thoughts about this? Um, Tatiana, you have seen the video, the original one? What, what are your thoughts about it? I mean, I need to be critical, right? Yeah, you should I be. I need to be critical about this. I, the first time I saw this video, I couldn't believe that it's 3D and it's rendered, especially because the cameras, you know, the camera was moving like that. I wonder if for this video... <laughs> They actually faked it just to show the concept, but they didn't say that so. it, they faked it. No, they no, they didn't fake it. With a disclaimer, so it doesn't. 
makes sense. <laughs> I read somewhere, it's amazing, but it doesn't, uh, you know, I read somewhere in this article that the woman was sitting and it only worked, so the perception of the depth only worked if you're sitting in the straight position, you were looking and you were talking. And if you're shifting in your seat a little bit, there are moments where the perception changes and you and you start feeling like you're talking to the flat screen. So okay. there is like a small view window where it makes you feel like a you small have magic a window. Magic <laughs> yeah, window. It's your eye box. It's the eye box. Okay. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. kind of like the looking glass displays that they made. Uh, the looking glass displays have a really huge eye box. And in this one, it seems like they're going more for resolution with a smaller eye box. But I mean, yeah, you're like, bam, you're seeing the real person right there. But you do have they, they almost should make the chairs that you sit in to use this like really rigid and it just locks you in place. So you can't move it. Right? You're Buckle strapped up. there, like, oh <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Well the future. It, it looks like you're sitting in the mirror, which looks like every time you want if you want to use it constantly with your coworkers or with your, with your families or your friends, you have to have a dedicated mirror to do that. Yeah. So instantly, I know, you know, my parents are in Ukraine. They won't be able to buy anything <laughs> like that. So as much as I would, oh, I so wish that I could do that, won't be able to. But right. I understand it's a concept and it's nowhere near production. But wow, yeah. But in um, a couple of years, wouldn't you think? Tatiana, that um, the advanced Facebook avatars combined with like spatial VR and being able to get up and walk around and have your mom like sitting on your sofa and you can stand up and walk around and she can get up and like the whole like this is confined to just right here, right there. I know the resolution yeah. is way better. You don't have to put nothing on your face. But I think when we get to these advanced avatars, like doesn't it kind of like bypass us a little bit? And we're eventually going to yeah. get to light fields and VR too. I've been thinking about that because yes, we can have like photorealistic avatars that just copy the the generic look of the person that's in VR, and then and then you can move around, and with the haptics, you can even give them hugs. So yes, in that way, I think it does bypass it. But but this, yeah, it just it seems so straightforward. It's almost like looking at it through a portal right you're seeing that it's person <laughs> yeah it's just it gives a different feeling because you're not wearing the goggles exactly. i still think that wearing something on your face you no know, even though now it's so much more comfortable than it was before it's still it bothers me like i don't talk a lot about it but it bothers me i mm. cannot play for longer than you know two hours tops without feeling like i want to take this thing off my head like i i can't so I'm still waiting for the times where it's going to be either just lenses or spectacles or something. And that's why this thing immediately wowed me because you don't you don't have that. You just don't. It really? just feels like you're talking to them. Yeah. Somebody in chat says it's they should rename it prison window. <laughs> you, you can see the person, right? But but you yes. you cannot you cannot touch them yeah. or anything but it's uh you know, pretty it's, cool it's really it's amazing sad, though. it's really sad because because you can see the people trying to touch and, exactly. and they can't yeah so it makes them cry what do you think about this matthew do, are you excited about this kind of future where we all have something like this in our homes oh we can hear you now we can't hear oh. you stop i think your um your <laughs> microphone now you're muted <laughs> There we go. Oh, yeah, yeah, Sorry yeah. about that. Okay. Yeah, I think this technology is really in an interesting place. It's not there yet, for sure. 
I've been playing around with different uh, character creation and, and lip syncing and facial tracking technology. I want to animate my characters with more facial expressions, which I haven't been able to do successfully yet. I mean, I have, but it doesn't look right. And one of the problems with this technology today is that because it has to take a picture of your body and your face first off, put it on a model, bring that model into VR, and Spatial did a great yeah, job. pretty good job. Doing it my character looked good. But uh, then when you then go and capture facial data of smiling and frowning and looking around, and then you apply that to the model, quite often the way that your model smiles isn't quite like you. Uncanny. So there, yeah. In fact, it's kind of like this uncanny valley thing. It's kind of totally. almost creepy. Right? Creepy, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> tracking is going to have to become, you know, like very trained. I think AI is going to have to study your face for a little bit of a time and then, you know, translate that to a VR character and then, you know, ask you, is this how you look when you smile? And, you know, yes, no, too, too goofy, too wide, whatever. You're going to have to, like, train your AR, or your AI one day to match your face. And so we're not there today. We're, we're a few years away. Mm -hmm. All right, right. But the good thing is that there is now there is now hardware that can capture your facial expressions, right? Like the HTC one, and it's pretty it's actually working pretty well. But it's not mainstream yet, right? You still have to buy that accessory for that one or two headsets, and yeah, it's still expensive. But we're going to get there, and uh, I agree also with what um, Anthony said that probably that's early. That's that will come earlier that we simply use these avatars, which are so good. You don't need to have uh, this kind of uh, light field prison uh, <laughs> prison yeah. window. Yeah. And also, I wonder: is it real, real time? Is there any lag at all? No matter where you're in the world. Yeah, well, there should be a little really lag. Feel, there's always lag. Yeah, I mean, there I should never... be a little lag. Exactly. Yeah. Even now, we have a little lag in in this video conference for sure, but it, yeah. we don't feel oh, it. Totally. Yeah, pretty cool. Pretty cool future technology. And yeah, there's so many exciting things going to be uh, coming up. <laughs> and maybe not that far away, because Mark Zuckerberg said, was it this week or last, that, that there's an Oculus Quest 3 coming, and they're targeting it to have facial and eye tracking. Okay. Quest mm -hmm. Pro. They're, they're Quest Pro. Pro. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The Quest oh. Pro, that's right. Pro. That's right. Oh, that's going to be exciting. Eye tracking mm -hmm. and fa Facebook. Exciting. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right. That's going to be a whole different topic. Well, they're avatars, though. I like. I mean, do you think it's possible that next year when the quest pro comes out we'll actually be able to try these advanced avatars like it might actually support that i think so yeah if they do yeah. it for sure even even without eye tracking face tracking their avatars are pretty impressive the facebook ones that they are now introducing like how they use the audio in order to move the mouse it's uh, pretty astonishing yeah they are good mm -hmm, they are really good i mean as much as I criticize Facebook for all the privacy uh, concerns, right? They are doing an amazing job here, and uh, that's what I simply yeah. want to point out as well. I feel the same way, <laughs> right? Okay, now we've talked about all the topics. Uh, there's still some more small ones, but you know what? I really wanted to find out now about immersive. Matthew's dog ride. So first of all, again, if you have not done so yet, please download the immersive, no, the, the dog ride that Matthew made. The link is down in the description of this video. It's a side quest link. You can download it right now, put it on your quest so that you actually understand what we're talking about. And also I believe that Matthew would be kind of happy if you would give it a five-star review 
if you liked it on SideQuest, <laughs> right? Any maybe review. even even negative criticism is is because I, I get to improve it. Yeah. Okay. So whatever, however you feel, love okay. it, hate it, let me know in the in the, uh, in the reviews. All right. On yeah. SideQuest. Exactly. I only have one review on there from like a year ago when I put my very first demo up, and the person was like, "I'm gonna give it two out of five because it's amazing, but way too short. Just has potential only." Okay. So I'm like, oh no! No, but now it, <laughs> I mean, it, 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 it already is much better. Yeah, it has five reviews now, and you have a, like a five five dot zero score now, or four point nine. Oh, okay, okay, so it's oh, going man. up. Awesome. Yeah, right. So Thank please, you. Yeah, and hopefully after this show, you're going to have hopefully at least uh, fifty reviews. So again, people, yeah. try it out now. Download it now and see what we're talking about. You can do it while we talk about it. So Matthew. Tell us more about your decision to stop your YouTube channel, which honestly I liked it because it gave us like high quality content about the quest. Mm -hmm. Like you were like mm -hmm. one of the first, one of the first YouTubers who really concentrated on the quest one. I mean mm -hmm. now right. there's like only quest YouTubers, <laughs> but but you were like you were like the first. You were like the first one who made it. So tell us about your decision to say, no, I'm not going to keep on with that. I, I have the feeling that this channel would have been like very successful on the long run. And to stop doing that and to say, you know what, I'm going to make content now. And also tell us why you came to the conclusion you want to make dark rides. <laughs> you know, it was a tough decision because I was really uh, gung-ho with my channel. It was my second uh, attempt at making a channel. I started... My original YouTube channel back when you started MRTV. Okay, wow. And I was covering the uh, Samsung Odyssey at that time. Oh. And so were you. Actually, you're doing a lot of Odyssey work. And my focus was on how big, how big of a room can you play this with? And I had a video with a hundred foot HDMI yeah, cable. Yeah, I can remember that. It was great. <laughs> the power adapter in the middle to boost the signal. And I was doing like really big room scale in these huge, like gymnasium sized rooms. Uh, so that was a lot of fun. Uh, and then I gave that up for a while. It was, it was only a hobby. And then I decided maybe I should get serious about YouTube because I did enjoy making those videos. And that's when I did the Oculus Quest channel. And it was growing really good. I was actually surprised at how much money I was making six months in, a month. I didn't foresee that. And so I was actually contemplating doing it more full time and actually getting even more into it. Like a lot of YouTubers do, they get a little success and they had to make the decision. You know, I, I, you know, you never get, you have to kind of jump in at some point and take that risk. And Sebastian, I know that you, and personally, I've seen your videos. You've said you've, you've done that yourself. You, you're right. all in. Right. And so I was going, I was on the same decision making. And, but that was when I, I realized that every week the biggest issue, the biggest comment I was getting is where is the content? Like, okay. love your channel. Love how you report your news. It's cool. It's all fact based. But like, the, we want to hear more about the new stuff, not, you know, what's <laughs> maybe going to happen down the line. And the reality was, there just really was like, like a couple of new quest titles every month. You know, you're lucky if you got like three or four in a month. In some months, there was zero. And that's still true today, actually. It's still very hard to get uh, new quest titles. And that's when I decided, well, maybe I need to jump in here and make my own app. And it started off as like a hobby idea. I'm just going to give it a try to see how it goes. And uh, it, once it got going and I finally got something writable, and that's what I put out in on uh, SideQuest a year ago, I was like, This is actually really cool. In fact, this replicates the experience of a dark ride, even the emotional feeling of being on a real dark ride in a real theme park so well 
that I, I think there might be a genre waiting to be born. Like one day down the line, 10 years, 20 years from now, one of the categories that are, you know, reasonably popular, not the number one, but a big category will be dark rides because I think there's a place for all of us sometimes to get out of our room scale space. And I've got my dedicated space in my home for room scale. So I love room scale. I want to walk around and interact for sure. But I also like this to sit back and relax sometimes. And there's not a lot of content on the quest to sit back and relax. And there, there is content. And there's some fantastic content. Like one of my favorites that jumps out at me is Bonfire. It's a great sit down experience. And just take it all in. Um, but there, I think there's a demand for more, uh, especially when you're on an airplanes or in situations where you just want to chill out and like, you know, get away from it all. And the dark ride format just seems to really work. So once I realized that it works, I decided, well, since I couldn't find any work, like my career just died because of COVID. Like I said I, earlier, I think I maybe pre-chat, I, I do IT management consultant, which is very face-to-face, -face, a lot of like workshops um, and, and such. So that just died, obviously, until things pick up again, which should be happening here soon. So I had all this time in my hands, and that's when I decided, let me develop this further. Let me get a, an actual wheel pilot, pilot out, not just, you know, one scene. Let me see if I can make this work. Because there's a lot of barriers with the Oculus Quest. The hardware is very limited in terms of this processing power and in terms of this memory. Like, you really are working with, you know, very low specs when it comes to even most phones in our pockets these days. Um, but, uh, you know, once I realized that I could do it, um, it became a mission to get out the 10 minutes that you see today. I know it's only 10 minutes. It took me a year, but that includes learning how to do Unity development, uh, making the app, and then a lot of time just optimizing it for the Oculus Quest, which I was saying earlier is brutal. Right. Were right. you on your own working on it, or did you have someone in, on, in the team? I got very lucky. So early on, I was out on the Unity Discord, and I was always posting questions. And there was a developer uh, on there, a very seasoned developer by the name of uh, Rob Year One, who's the, the fella, actually, when you're in my ride, and the English accent guy says, press and hold the Oculus button to recenter yourself. That's him, actually. So he became uh. a bit of a mentor for me. I met him on forum. And, and that's the thing to any developer. When you go out and ask for help, don't, don't post how do I animate a character, right? Like there's lots of videos and lots of stuff to read on how to do that. It's, hey, I'm animating a character. I've done this, this, and that, and here's what's happening. And if you ask those more specific questions, you'll get replies. Uh, so be specific. And as I was being specific, and I attracted the, the attention of this, this very skilled developer, and he became sort of my mentor and uh, ended up helping me actually write some of the more difficult parts of the application, like the animation tool. He wrote that, and it's the most amazing tool. It makes animating all the characters for a dark ride uh, feasible for an indie developer. I realized early on that making animation is a lot of work. My wife's a 3D animator. Uh, if you watch like things like Sonic the Hedgehog or Pokemon movies recently, that's some of her work is in that. Mm -hmm. So I watch her animate, and she'll spend days and days, you know, on just a couple seconds of. Uh, so mm -hmm. I asked her to do my animation, and it took her like two weeks. Just to get the two ladies in the scene, who are the two mom and the daughter, who are putting their handprints on the cave wall, it took forever. And I realized, oh my wow. goodness, I've got so many characters to do. I, I can't spend that much time on it. It's going to take me years to animate these characters. And that's when I realized that I really needed some sort of mocap tool. And mocap tools, as you know, that like, you know, like EA uses 
uh, you know, on these big uh, studios, you know, they're like quarter of a million dollar solutions. Now, they're not cheap. And there really wasn't any real solution to, to use Lighthouse with Unity. And so that's why I worked with uh, what's called R1 Tools is his company name that's, is becoming now. He's got a, uh, on my website, there's a link to his store. If you go to metaverse-adventures.com and head over to credits for the ride, you'll see all his links in there. Um, yeah, so he, he created this tool for me to, to animate, and now he's going to put it on the store because he realized how awesome it is. And literally, you put on the, uh, you know, the, um, the lighthouse uh, equipment. So I'm using an index with the controllers. Plus, I have eight of the Vive trackers, you know, these things here. Oh, wow. So you literally create... Right, you've all seen the Vive by... trackers. There's been a lot of chat about these things. Sorry, Tatiana, mm -hmm. what was that? Oh, so you're literally just creating your own animation by capturing your own movement. That's fantastic. Yeah, I put on eight of these plus the, the three. So total, I have 11 points of tracking. Oh, wow. And using a piece of code that... You remember um, back at Oculus Quest Connect 5? They had the bed and dairy, uh, bed, dead and buried uh, room scale arena mm -hmm. with three on three people all together. Remember that? There was yeah. Something was, yes. like, right. Yeah. That technology I'm using with, with this guy R1 Tools to then be able to go to any rigged character. So you can go and download these characters off the off the web. You can buy them. You can hire artists. It's a standard format called a rigged character. And literally, I can put my character in the scene. Uh, within Unity that I want to animate whatever the thing is, go into Unity, put on the VR goggles, walk up to that character, stand where they are. If they're standing and have their arms straight out, you're going to do the same thing. And then you snap into their body. And then all That's of a sudden, all those go into the body. And then there's a button you can press when you're ready to animate the scene. As you hit record, you do your animation. You can even pick up objects in the scene, which is this is the, this wow. is the next level tech stuff. Wow. And the hands will form around the, the object perfectly because I use another tool. This is the great thing about the Unity right now. If you don't know how to develop it, there's probably a plugin in the store, usually with crazy cheap prices, to go and put that functionality. So if you want to have your hand you know, wrap around an object, I use a tool called HPTK, Hand Pose, hand pose by George <laughs> on Unity. On, and again, it's all on my website, so you can go check out the links. And all the stuff's available. You throw it all together, and next thing you know, you're animating your characters in scene, in Unity, right in the place that they're going to act out. And it's so amazing because you're in there, and you realize, oh, I'm at the campfire. And you'll see one of the wow. very first scenes. And everybody, by the way, all the characters except for one is just literally me acting it out. And I sat and... <laughs> That's so cool. You are everyone. That's oh, my God. You are everyone in those scenes. You are the man who is telling the stories by the campfire. <laughs> all, I love the reacting that. And I sat there, and hey. as I did, your point earlier, Tatiana, I mean, it was offline chat. People, I want people to sit in that spot as well. So at some point, as part of the ride, I'm going to build the functionality to go back and explore those scenes. That would be good. But I'm yes. telling you, going down and sitting at that fire and watching the storyteller, and he and looks at you and looks at the rest, it's really like, wow, it's so darn immersive. It's crazy. Right, right. So, so for people who haven't played this app yet, right? So this is the app that teaches you about the history of printing. And storytelling. Well, or, uh, actually, the history of human immersion. The whole story is supposed to be about how do we get here? How do we get when we're all putting on these devices? Why do we want to do this? And it's about we want to be immersed. And the story is really about, you know, it started 200,000 years ago, arguably before that, when humans were telling stories around the campfire. All they're listening in and you're imagining in your mind 
that story. So you're, you're bursting yourself in someone else's narrative. And it's, it's really about showing all the scenes of how it's gone from that to the cave paintings. It's gone to the, uh, uh, you know, the uh, paper in, in invention. It got to the clay tablets. It went off into the, you know, print press, as you mentioned. And yeah. Asia did a woodblock printing thing. And, of course, as you go into the next phases of the Rye, which haven't been developed yet, we're going to talk about the phot photography and film and then video and TV and then the Internet and games and all, all this stuff that has been you know, always marching us closer as a species to more immersion. And now VR is being born, which could arguably be one of the highest emergent things. Not fully yet. We're not all senses in yet, but we're heading that direction. So we're going to show about and once VR and AR is really here, which is we're on the cusp of, what does that future for humanity look like? And I've got a whole bunch of really cool, mind-blowing scenes that future, which I think is probably pretty accurate. I mean, as a species, mm -hmm. we're definitely heading into the metaverse. Like it's, especially with brain-computer interfaces on the horizon, uh, we're heading into it in a very major way in most of our lifetimes, which is pretty mind-blowing to think about. Right, right. So it's, well, we are so lazy as humans because you just said like, okay, 200,000 years ago, we were sitting around the fire and we just imagined things and now we just slap <laughs> the VR headset on our faces and we see everything. <laughs> no, but I really, I loved also that educational kind of effect of your app. Like you really enjoy, mm. you sit there, you look around and yeah, it totally reminded me of those rides. Obviously, I've done them before, not in uh, not in the US, but in Germany, we also have some kind of these parks, of course. And it's just so cool. And the uh, it's uh, for me, it's amazing to understand that you made this all by yourself. Like mm. the storytelling is so good. Like the quality of the person who's, who, who tells the story is so good. The, the music, the atmosphere, all the, uh, yeah, those animated characters that are walking mm -hmm. around. It's, I'm really, I'm really surprised how great that is, and I will. I want to say congratulations to making that, and I want to ask <laughs> you uh, how, um, when you made the decision to to start this. At one point, you were faced with a problem that you could not develop yet. You were like on mm -hmm. at square one. At square one, you had no idea how all that works. You just knew, okay, Unity seems to be the thing or, or Unreal. One of those. You have to pick one of those. And um, tell us a bit more about the, your first steps. Okay, you, you chose mm -hmm. Unity. So you chose mm -hmm. Unity mm -hmm. and then you are not a, pro, not a developer. You, you didn't learn it, right? Probably before sometime, but you're not like, really... That's right into it so tell us C -sharp. yeah okay yeah. perfect so tell us about the first few days and the first few weeks of your learning experience what did you do how was it and uh, yeah tell us all about it i think that's so interesting mm -hmm. yeah i think it is too because I, I think it'll give others maybe some insights uh, it's not as hard as you think and it's not as hard as you think if you look at it and then you're going on a very big you know mission or a quest for lack of a better term but that quest is broken up in a whole bunch of smaller quests. You can't get to the end. It's overwhelming. You know, having an app that's written and it can run and get this put in a store is a big goal. But you can't focus on the basics. Like, how about I just watch a video on how to get Unity up and running with VR and put a cube in a room and put it on my quest and see if I can see that cube. Right. If you first can step. do just that first <laughs> yeah. step, and I, if you can edit a video on YouTube, you can do that. I promise you, you can download Unity. It's free. 
You can open up a tutorial. There's lots and lots of great ones out there. I can give you some names of the ones I follow. But if you just Google Unity tutorials for VR, you'll find a ton of them. And a lot of them are like step by step by step. We're going to do this today. We're going to get you set up so you can interact with and uh, pick up stuff with your controllers or whatever you want to accomplish. And you'll be surprised as to how easy that is. And once you've got that spot, and then you're like, huh. Well, I kind of want to do a dark ride or whatever your app might be. What's the next step? Well, I guess I need to bring a vehicle in that I sit in. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, how does that even work? Like, how would I? So then you bring it in and you figure out, okay, to have me sit in it, I got to play with these settings. And you're just like experimenting. It might fail at first. You might be like on the floor and your seat's up here. So you, you just tinker with it. Tinker, tinker, tinker. And there's lots of videos, like lots of videos. And, and, you know, blogs and whatnot you can read if you prefer reading on how to do this. None of this is rocket science. None of it is that hard. If you, like I said, can go into a video and adjust, you know, what you cut and the audio levels and the key, the key um, what do they call those things? The key. Chroma oh, key. Gee, I can't remember. Yeah, all that kind of stuff, right? If you can do all that, you can do the same sort of thing with 3D assets in Unity. It's a different paradigm, but a lot of the same skills. And certainly the same level, you need to be comfortable with technology. You need to know, oh, I got to go in this menu and do this. You'll learn it. You'll definitely learn it. And so once you get in there and you realize that, okay, I can bring in a vehicle, I can sit in my vehicle. And at, the first, and at first, it was only like a, a chair, like a basic office chair is what I first brought in. I got the asset for free on the store, brought that in. Okay, how do I now make it move? How do I make it move like it's on a track? And how fast does it have to go? And, and, and all that kind of stuff. You just kind of... Feel it out, and you go online. Okay, how do I make an object move? Oh, you can make a camera move using Sin Machine. Okay, put in Sin Machine, which is a, a tool that's free with Unity, and you can make a track, and you can take an object like the seat and have a, a track to the track, and then go at a certain speed. And once I had that down, I was like, oh, okay. Uh, okay, that's like that, that was so easy that getting that part. It was a piece of cake. Now what? Okay, bring in assets. And so, you know, I just brought in the fire. I brought in some you know, primitive people that you see there in that first scene. They were like 12 bucks off the Unity asset store. So not big costs. Or maybe it was 30 bucks. wasn't much, mm -hmm. though. Brought them in the scene. I gave them like initially like standard, you know, free animations you can download of websites like Mixamo.com. It's a great one for getting animations and characters for free. And see how it felt. And I was blown away. <laughs> I was like... Whoa, I didn't think seeing a family around a fire, and they were really basic animations back then. I didn't think it was going to have that emotional impact on me. Uh, mm. it, it was like 15 frames a second, <laughs> right? Initially, it was terrible. But I knew that there's probably videos on how to optimize it as well. And there is all the information you need is out there. There's only a, there are some challenges though, which I have to you get know? into if you're curious. You know, I, I will just maybe interrupt just for one quick second, because uh, yeah. it was interesting that you said when you started learning, you actually started uh, from VR coding, immediately coding in VR. I've yeah. talked to some, you know, other learning developers who said that it's actually better to start learning C Sharp on regular games. And then, mm -hmm. because then it's easier to translate that knowledge into VR. It's a more yeah. like smooth transition. But you actually went right in. You started with VR. I mean, maybe you would be biased in this question, but would you recommend starting right in VR from ground zero, from square one, or would you rather, you know, 
recommend starting with flat screen, just C sharp. I guess, yeah, you know, everyone's going to have their level of comfort. I, I'm much more motivated when I know I need to know something. I don't want to learn all there is to know. I could spend, you know, the last year really learning C sharp as an example. And I'd be way more proficient at C sharp today than I am, for sure. But I wouldn't have a ride. <laughs> and, and it shows you so the, the, the things I needed to learn to build that ride were just this much of C sharp. C sharp can do like, you know, very, very complex things. And it's a great tool. I like, do like programming. It's pretty straightforward to understand. But, you know, no matter what genre you pick, no matter what game you pick, you're only going to have a section of that code you have to worry about. So if that's the case, if you're making a dungeon crawler and you have a lot of items you have to manage and, and, and stats of your character, well then go take, just go focus on those YouTube videos and there's plenty of them on how you make that code. And that code will work if it's 2D or if it's 3D, that's one thing, or VR. That's one thing you'll realize once you get into the swing of Unity, you'll be able to even watch a non-VR vi video on how to do something that works the same in VR mm -hmm. uh, that you can yeah. just quickly translate over. Right, yeah. Right, I'm showing, so, I'm showing your trailer right now here. Oh, yes. Yeah, so yeah. people so, can see it. And uh, just about the, the question that Tatiana just asked about, like, uh, should you first uh, try to learn C-sharp or start with the flat gaming? Um, you would be, like, surprised how little you have to code. So, actually, mm -hmm. I'm an engineer, and I did lots of coding, and then also had a look, had a look in uh, coding, uh, doing VR games, and actually, it's not so much. And just like Matthew said, if some complicated things come up, probably there is an asset that you can simply import and you mm. simply find out how to use it without having to code the uh, yeah code it yourself. So it, you would be surprised how little you have to code, right, Matthew? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the, the stuff that you do, there are great tutorials. So that's what I mean. I don't think the barrier. I wouldn't. I wouldn't recommend learning C sharp because. Yeah. If, that, if that's going to be your career, yes. But if you're like, hey, I got this really cool VR idea that I think might work, you probably only have to know that much code, and most of it's probably going to be in videos. And if it isn't, if you really believe in it, you could throw a few bucks at a developer, and they'll write it for you. If you really get stuck, I mean, it's just one little thing, uh, your whole vision, because that's right now I think it's holding back a lot of would-be developers because they're overwhelmed by the code, coding side of things. And I think the answer is don't be. And not only, like I said, are there lots of free things you can download or even buy off the asset store, you can hire a developer, worst case scenario. And what's even better is that Unity and Unreal are beginning to really push their um, visual scripting languages. So instead of having to write code where you miss a, you know, a bracket somewhere and the whole thing fails, you're just doing like visual diagrams and pulling little connectors and connecting to this box. And, and this box is going to grab the data from this box, right? So you kind of you know, string it mm -hmm. together. Create a UI. Uh, which can be better in some ways and worse, but it's easy to understand. So that, I, And I think that AI is only going to each bring that even easier to the point where I don't have to code, hey, when my meta mover hits this spot and it hits this trigger, do this thing and write all this code to do that. And in the future, I, I'm pretty sure it'll be like an AI assistant that just says, hey, code, I need this to happen here. Mm -hmm. And it will just figure out all that. Because a lot of that stuff is just rinse and repeat, copy and paste, change a few parameters a lot of that in, in game development. And I think that AI is really going to make the creative types, give them what they need, so they're not being weighed down with all the complex development. Right. They'll, we'll still need it. Very we cool. build all sorts of the right people at some point. Really fantastic that you 
yeah, got everything done by yourself by watching some YouTube videos. Yeah. It's, it's it's really really uh, fantastic. So um, everything, including how to optimize. Yeah, that's like that's, that's crazy. That's yeah, all the knowledge yeah. is out there. You just have to yeah put it together yourself. Have to read, uh, learn a lot, and you did it. So how about all these fantastic costumes that the people are wearing? Inside it all fits. It all fits, and I, I, I don't believe that you can just buy the exact asset of that lady in that person in that scene. Or how can I imagine this? Did you could you like um, somehow fine tune the assets that you bought, or did you have to hire someone to have them wear that clothes that they wore exactly <laughs> in that time? Just tell us a bit more about that. I, part. Uh... Okay, I tried everything. I mean, <laughs> I tried finding uh, characters off the asset store, which mm -hmm. is really hit and miss. I uh, used uh, character creation tools, kind of like the MetaHuman and, and Character Creator 3, and, and, and there's many others I've tried, like Daz. And I've tried hiring artists on, um, what's that, Fiverr. I hired <laughs> artists right, on Fiverr. Right. Well. I love Fiverr. And uh, <laughs> it can get expensive. Uh, characters are, are a bit of an art, and... What's really interesting that I've discovered is that a 3D model, be it a character or a, it's a house or some sort of you know, cup on a table, they might look great you know, when you're looking at them in Unity in the flat screen editor or you look at them in that 3D tool like Blender or Maya. They might look great. But it's so shocking how many times when you go into VR later on, you look over that, at that teapot you put in, you're like, huh, the seams don't actually match on that teapot. I never noticed that. And you go to the flat screen and you can barely even notice it. See, it really, VR puts a tremendous pressure on the quality of the digital assets. So there is a lot out there. There's a lot of assets and a lot for free, if that matter. I, I would say uh, half of my assets were free and in the public domain. The other half I paid for or I hired somebody to pay for. But the problem you'll find is that you can buy these assets. And I have bought so many assets that later I could not use because mm -hmm. they weren't done in the right way, especially when it gets down to VR, and especially when it comes down to mobile VR. The constraints that the processing power puts on you just exposes all the issues. This is what I was saying earlier, why you need that 3090, because these most assets are really poorly optimized, so you, you need a lot of power just to make a basic thing work. Um, and that's uh, the biggest thing that for me, and the biggest struggle is trying to navigate how to get good assets that have the right clothing and the right scene. And the answer is you can get lucky sometimes, but mostly you're hiring the 3D artists. And I know I need to spend more money uh, in the future to get even better 3D art, especially if you know my Kickstarter does go anywhere. I don't know if it will, but if it does, one of my stretch goals is going to be to have facial and eye tracking because we know that technology is coming. You know, Right down with the HP uh, G2 uh, Omnicept mm -hmm. model that's coming. Uh, and others, Oculus Quest Pro. There'll be other models that are coming to the market. I think there might be one from um, um, HTC, maybe. When they come, I want to be able to do full animation on my face and body. And uh, those characters cost money. To get a good character where the skin moves right when a character moves his arm, it's called uh, te you know, like texture painting and skin weight painting. It's very complicated. I tried doing it myself, and it, it's an art today. And, and all the th tools that help you make characters, which are great, They're all making them of like, you know, a, a million polygons. They're all trying to like impress the other brands how powerful they are. And none of them work really great on, on at all on, uh, you know, the Oculus Quest hardware. So you have to like dumb them down and strip down the mother of polygons. And all of a sudden you look at the model and it's like, it looks messed up now. Mm -hmm. So that's 
challenge is that while there's a lot of content, it's just not geared for more optimized development. And like you were saying, Anthony, you know, and I agree, cloud is going to get big. Cloud is going to force this entire industry to get a reality check that for the last like 20 years, they've kind of been writing on the coattails of more powerful hardware. And it's time to get real with our, our code development. That's my analysis. Mm -hmm. Cool. Very cool. So mm -hmm. tell us a bit more about your dark rides. What is the business model? Okay, now we're getting back to pitch MRTV. <laughs> pitch that, it to us. How can we make money with it? How <laughs> for that reason, I'm out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. How much do you want and how much of your company are you going to give us? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's a good question. I mean, I, I don't even know if there's any demand or if there is demand. It's, you know, it could be very small. So right now, I'm just waiting it out there. I'm going to put the demo out. It's going to be an app lab here soon. Again, just this gauge. Is this something that people would like to see more of? You know, maybe not this ride, but they're excited about maybe a haunted ride or they're excited about that jungle one, you know, like, or other topics. And, you know, I do think there's a great potential for education. So maybe yeah. this will all turn out that, you know, Hank Green over at Complexly, you know, the guy who does uh, SciShow and, uh, journey into the microcosmos and uh, he's a fantastic youtuber maybe he'll call me up and say we want you to you know make a ride for us in, in, in this science topic you know maybe we'll take off that way i don't really know you know i think my short-term goal is to get this ride done and put it in the store uh, at some reasonable price and if the reviews are high people are saying this is a really cool experience you know you want to you'll want to give it to your mother and your your grandmother to try and your kids i guess it's one of those things that you want to share then maybe it'll go viral and I can charge $4.99 a ride or something nominal like that and make a living off of it. You know, or maybe down the road when I have three rides, I can package them together and say it's $14.99 for, for a mini theme park for the day. I don't know. I don't know where it's going to go. I really, it's one of those things about VR that I think a lot of developers are struggling with is what are those big wins? I mean, like your pitch show is a great example. Probably one or two of those shows this week that you, you presented, Anthony, or um, Anthony, Sebastian, are... <laughs> You know, could become big. It could be. Like it could become the next big company. Exactly. I, I, we just don't know. Like language. Don't forget how a, who made you famous. It could blow up. <laughs> yeah. So we're in that early days, and I don't think anyone really can rule in or rule right. out. All you can do is put it out there, and see how the market responds. And if they respond, then great. I've got a career to do this. If it don't respond, then it, what I'm going to do is like, hey, I've learned how to develop VR. Exactly. So I'm going to put thinking. This, this ride on the back burner of like hobby, work on it in my free time. And mm. I'm going to go and work on it. I have some game ideas I want to do too. Yeah. So you, you want what it about, anyways. Yeah. Go ahead, what go about ahead. like VR arcades and that, what's that yaw thing that you sit in, you know, yeah. that does all, like I could oh, have been, because be like this idea, you're you mentioning like Pirates of the Caribbean and stuff. And you're saying like, you know, the dark rides, right? Where you, you're, you're in a thing and you're going through a thing and stuff happens at certain times and it slows down and sometimes you dip because like some of those rides, like Pirates of the Caribbean, you know, you, you go down in certain spots. So there's actual movement and stuff. Do you think like in the future, if, one of those chairs became actually popular enough to do that. Would you try to integrate that? Is that something you're looking forward to or also like the arcade idea? Well, honestly, if I had my way, um, you know, things would take off on the personal side, you know, your own individual quest sitting at home. It might flower out into supporting devices like y'all. I've been, I've been told by a few people now that I really should contact their, uh, their leaders over on uh, their discord and, Run it by them. I, 
I, I can integrate their app into my ride, no problem. It's a, it's a Unity SDK, so I can do that. I'm sure if I have any problems, they'll support me. So there's those options. Ultimately, I, I would love to get involved in the one day, I think going to be very big, is the virtual theme park business. Whereas mm -hmm. and you can still go down to Disneyland and Disney World or wherever your local theme park is. There will always be room for physical. But, you know, maybe instead of going down to Laser Tag this weekend with the, with the gang, you're going to go to a virtual theme park and you're going to ride, you know, roller coaster simulations. You're going to ride dark ride simulations like mine, maybe with a drop, you know, some are educational, some are fan fantastical, whatever your taste is. You know, I could see a facility like that where you go in and you just basically rent a robotic arm that simulates countless rides for you. And uh, I, I want to be part of that if I can. I would love to be a part of that industry and support, give it content. You know, I may not be the guy making the, the robotic arms as experts better than I at that. But making the content that takes advantage of all that equipment, I would love. I would love to ride a ride, like a haunted ride that I make. That literally, as you like walking through the, going through the, you know, the, the, the castle, the floor breaks out, and you literally drop because <laughs> the robot arm has you in a seat. And like, you know, if you ever been on the Harry Potter ride, uh, I think that kind of technology is where theme parks, virtual theme parks, are going to be using, like a big robotic arm with a seat attached to it. If you can see right. my hand. And literally, it has a very wide range of, of motion, so it could drop you and give you that sensation of falling and things like that. So I think we're going to see that a lot, and I want it's, to be a part of that. It's funny because a long time ago, I was thinking of, like, somebody could just have, like, some really cheapo place, right, where you go there and there's a like a raft, you know, like the thing that you get into for Pirates of the Caribbean and you're in yeah. water, you're actually in moving water, right? So you sit in one of those things, they give you the VR headset and then you actually are moving, you're going along and you go through like a, you go through like a cloth thing and there's nothing there. It's just an mm -hmm. empty space, but you feel yeah. like you're at Pirates of the Caribbean and maybe the sound is all there. So you don't need any speakers. So you have the speakers, you have like air, cold air or mist or whatever, or like a heat thing that you get really close yeah. to. So you feel heat, you know, but there would be nothing there. It'd yeah, be exactly. like, it'd be like uh, magic. Um, what's the roller coaster that it's Disneyland with the Space Mountain, like Space Mountain with the lights on. Like if you turn mm -hmm. the lights on in Space Mountain and how ugly everything looks, it looks awful. Mm -hmm. But no one sees it, right? Because it's they're in the dark. And with your headset on, you could just be on a little boat that's just going around. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's like, kind of dumb. But. It's the same as the, like I think I mentioned before, the escape rooms. That's the same. You you will pay, yes. you'll get the goggles, you'll get into this room. It'll be room scale. I don't know, six by six, seven by seven. It'll be a huge, huge room, completely empty. And then you will just go and solve those puzzles. And yeah, that's definitely happening. And I would pay money to do that. I mean, I would do that at home. <laughs> I have my own <laughs> VR set. Right. Yeah, I mean, I would love to get a yaw in here and uh, ride my ride. I, I made my ride intentionally so it wouldn't make most newbies sick. I'm sure it will some. <laughs> I try to limit when I turn it, and when I do turn it, it's in a darker area, so you don't have as much to, to track with. But if I had a yaw seat, I could have done a lot more. I could go up and I could go down and really you know, meander through in a way that wouldn't make you sick. At least that's the theory. I haven't tried a yaw myself yet. Mm -hmm. Right. Kath and Cherry talk about it quite favorably, so I'm very curious about it. Mm -hmm. I think it's pretty cool. Um, actually, the team did ask me if I want to show it off here, but at that time last week, I wasn't here at the studio, so I couldn't try it out. But I'm pretty sure it must be pretty amazing. Yeah, so I can get you in touch with the your team if you want. 
and make mm -hmm. the magic happen to see what you can come up mm -hmm. come up with. Yeah, I mean, opportunities for both of us, I think. Yeah, yeah, right. I mean, I, I'm sure y'all want to have more content and, and exactly. varied content. There would be a great content to just show off their rides to people. So that, mm -hmm. that would be pretty, pretty cool. Yeah, we have some questions from the audience. So first of all, oh, yes. first of all, Paul asked, um, have you thought about probably um, increasing the replay value by allowing people to choose different pathways? And I think that's a cool idea mm -hmm. because then, that's okay, great, yeah. you tried once and then, okay, now I want to try it again because I want to go right this time, not go left and see what, what you have to show there. That's a cool idea, right? It's a great idea. In fact, one of my favorite dark rides of all time, which is now closed, unfortunately, was uh, called Horizons in, at Epcot in the 1980s. And it was about humanity's voyage into you know, space and, and our colonization of space. And at the very end of the ride, it, you had three choices you could pick, and the ride vehicle would literally go down one of three different paths. So I would love to do that Yeah, mm. cool. in VR. Great. Yeah. Yeah, so maybe, and maybe I will. You know, one of the things with my ride, once I get it more publicly out there and it's in App Lab and I start doing videos, I'm going to start doing videos again with a focus on Imagineering and development uh, tips for Oculus Quest developers to help others. You know, ask me anything, I'll tell you how I did it to get you up and running too, kind of mm -hmm. a, a channel, uh, and see where that goes. Because uh, yeah. I think that there's a whole... There's a whole. There's probably thousands of budding Imagineers with brilliant ideas that would love to jump in and make their own rides for... There's so many categories. I can see schools one day giving this, you know, VR glasses to a classroom, and they're all sitting at their desks for 10, 15 minutes and and go to experience something uh, about, you know, education, and come back as a group and talk about it. I can really see that happening. Or you can and make in that a kind right, of controlled way where you're just sitting. Hmm? You, can, you can make a right editor where people simply can make their own rights and sell yep. that. There's uh, there's lots of options. <laughs> How so you can now options. monetize sure your, your new... That will totally happen one day, a ride editor. Yeah, like a roller coaster tycoon of, right. of dark rides. Exactly, yeah. mm -hmm. exactly. Maybe it'd be me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And thinking of your app from the educational perspective, like I was, I was you know, very impressed by the, the way that the game worked. It was very smooth and it was, it just felt so logical, like each scene, I knew exactly, you know, what was happening there. But at the same time, as an educator, I was thinking, do I retain or do I even, mm -hmm. you know, internalize what I'm listening to? Because, you know, we have the visual input, we have the audio input. Sometimes I got distracted by what I was looking at and I didn't actually process what I was hearing. So I was thinking, wouldn't it be great if we had just like a little slice of text that shows me what, t what age this mm. is? What location is this? Mm -hmm. What are mm -hmm. the key points that I need to take away from this scene? And then mm -hmm. after that, I started thinking, oh, and then it would be cool, like what I what I text you know message you about that it would be cool to just stop the ride and let you know let's say learners roam around, Love interact with things, talk to people, ask them. There could be even quests like, oh, find out how the paper is done, or you know, ask people around and and figure out. Um, learn from them. So anyway, <laughs> there are so many ways that the, this app can develop in so many different fields. Mm -hmm. I, it really can. Those are great I think ideas. you're really onto something. You're, oh. you're at the beginning of something yeah. massive for education. I totally agree. Yeah. And yeah. Because it's not yeah. Just yeah. Didn't you right. say that? It's making me go like, you know what? <laughs> I don't think I have really understood exactly where this is all going. Because it's like dark ride, but you don't. We have it's this not, new medium that the sky is kind of limit. 
it doesn't yeah, have museums. to be just a dark You could hook like, up with museums. You don't and like you could redo that. the museum virtually, you know, just for, chilling. Yeah. yeah, for example. Through. Or like what I was thinking about now, first of all, haunted houses. Or haunt, you, you, thought, <laughs> you talked about it yourself. It, it's, somehow it makes sense, right? You have these rights in reality where you write them and then people will try to scare you. And you know what you could do? You could, you could hire real people who scare people in your <laughs> VR ride. So it's not scripted. It's not scripted. And every single right. time somebody takes the ride for like five bucks or so, they don't know what's going to happen because the the actors, the actors, <laughs> yeah, exactly. They will just scare the hell of you in different ways every time. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure, mm -hmm. and I'm sure those actors would have a fantastic time as well to do that <laughs> to do that as their job, as their I don't know student job or whatever. Wow, I really <laughs> love the idea of the haunted house with real life actors. People in the chat, well, tell me now, yeah, would, you, the, would you pay $5 for a ride where real actors scare the living hell out of you? Please <laughs> say yes in the chat. It'd be hard to time it, though. It'd be hard. Like, the, the real actors would have to be, like, motion-capped, yeah, you know, no, and in the, the VR game. The, I mean, you could do it. You could do it. Yeah, you, you could, could do, do it. it. The real actors are at home somewhere. could be in good old Germany, and I have the night shift, for example, <laughs> and I'm simply in my headset, and I'm in, in, in the software that um, Matthew made, and then whenever somebody comes up and goes for a ride, I'm going to scare them with my German accent. <laughs> wow, they would love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So this, I think it's, I really like the idea. So I think there's, there's lots possibilities, of, eh? the, there's oh, lots, wow. of, lots of cool possibilities. Yeah. You know, when I first decided I really wanted to pursue this particular app was when I was on an airplane because I downloaded a whole bunch of Quest content that was seated and I couldn't play any of them for one reason or another. It still was seated, but it still had you reaching and I kept on like, bumping my wife or you know, the person beside me like oops sorry so i realized it's not a lot of, like other than watching videos there's not a lot of just sitting and experience and just taking it in there's not a lot out there there's videos and, and not much else so there's a big market for that i think i remember when oculus uh, go came out carmack said at one point that they were surprised with the initial data because half of it was as they expected gaming but they weren't expecting the other half to be on like more sit down entertainment like immersive experiences so that, I don't know what it is today, the ratio. There's a lot more games uh, and a lot less immersive experiences. Uh, so maybe the ratio is off right now. I don't know. But it, it just seems like the demand is not just games for VR. In fact, I think mm -hmm. the games is, puts it in a category where it's not just that. It's like looking at a computer screen saying, oh, it's a gaming screen only. No, it's a world. And it's a window into you know, a whole different world. And I don't think we've explored that even the littlest bit in the VR space yet. We haven't even scratched right. that surface, like so barely. Right, that makes sense. I mean, look at that that Gorilla Tag game blew yeah. up. Who saw that coming? Who saw Beat Saber? You know, when it first came out, I remember Beat Saber, hearing about it. I like, thought oh, it's gonna go nope. <laughs> Close out. That was. I so tried good. it and I cried. I knew it was gonna be a hit. No. <laughs> yeah, me tried it. Exactly. I mean, I tried too. I was like, wow. This is addictive. <laughs> right. It's, uh, it is. Yeah, so another question from the chat. Just somebody asked if you would make this as a Steam VR experience as well, not just for Quest. But yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I developed the whole thing uh, agnostically, so I'm not tied to any particular Oculus technology, except I will be implementing the avatar. You know when you go down the hall very beginning and that mirror opens up and you see your car? Eventually you'll right. see your avatar. I'm working with Oculus to integrate that into the app, but I do have, I've written it 
So I can go uh, to Steam. I can go to Viveport. Uh, I can even go to PlayStation if they would allow me on there at some point. But I've written it. And that's the thing about uh, you know, using Unity. They have what's called the XR engine, and they're just moving over now into more of an open VR, open XR world, okay, cool. which is this new standard that's kind of developing. It's kind of unfortunately slow to fully get running here. But I've developed my entire app in that direction. It's been challenging to say the least because, like I said, it's not there yet. But there enough that you can make stuff. Mm -hmm. Nice. This is one thing I wanted to say just really quickly about this industry. And I think this is probably, and I look at Mark Zuckerberg in particular, and I think of his position and what he's trying to do with his, with his organization. I think their blind spot that they're not seeing is that the tools to develop VR, especially mobile VR, are really not very good. They're hodgepodge. They're all over the place. They're all in a mass state of flux, you know, like Unity is going from this standard to this standard, they're kind of half in, half out the camp. You know, some things work, some things don't. Same with OpenXR. All these things are all over the place. And it makes it very hard for a developer who has a great idea and they jump in and they watch the first YouTube video and they go to Unity and they go to that option and it's not there. And they're like, well, why is my option not there? So now they're spending all this time just to figure out that, oh, that's been deprecated. There's a new version. Now it's called this and it's over mm -hmm. here. Oh, and now you go. No, and then you finally oh, you know, figure that out, yep. and you go and you grab assets, and the assets are going to work with the Quest. So I feel like Facebook as a company, if they want VR to be in 100 million people's hands, then they need to have a development team 100 times stronger than it is today. And they need to provide development tools that I'm not spending months and months and months just trying to get my scene to be optimal. There should be tools that can run through my scene in more detail than they are. There are tools, but they're not very good today. Mm -hmm. And tell me exactly, hey, all you gotta do is check off this one little box over here under settings and it'll run better. Like we need those tools, we need them like yesterday. And I think this is the biggest reason why we're not seeing as much content is that it's hard and it's very time consuming. And so the business case becomes very challenging for a lot of organizations. Do I spend my time uh, and most of my time optimizing my app or just get it out there on Steam and make start making some money. And I, that's what we're seeing. We're not seeing as much stuff going to uh, Quest because of those reasons. It's, it's very hard. Wow. It needs to get much better. Right. And it's a sad situation because it's not going to, I don't see any improvement, uh, you know, on the horizon. I don't see like a new version of Unity that solves all these problems or a new Unreal or a new mm -hmm. tool entirely. That you know that that solves this problem space and make it truly easier for anyone to start making apps. I think we're like five years away at least from that situation happening. So that means that the content is going to really lag. So as VR technology gets better, the next problem is going to be, well, where's the content? Because I'm not interested in all those games. I only want to, you know I'm the guy who wants to play Dark Ride. That's what would get me involved. Or I want to get involved because of art making this app over here. Or you know I don't know what they're going to be. We need a lot more. And this is going to be, I think, VR's biggest disappointment is that it's just not going to have the content, okay. even when it, the technology comes. Got it. Yeah. Understood. Yeah. Yeah, but, well, it, it's a, you, you're a good example that people can pick it up if they really want. <laughs> you can get it if you really want. You just have to yes, try. Try and try. <laughs> and then you and it's getting easier. Because uh, there are more and more YouTubers, you know, realizing the challenges right. and are giving out those tips. You know, okay. show you exactly step by step how to get going. And once you get past that initial hurdle and you got your own app running, it's very empowering. It's very exciting. It's like, oh, okay, if I can do that, 
I could probably do more things. I can keep on going and see where this takes me. Yeah, it must be pretty fantastic to see real people now trying your app and giving you feedback yeah. and telling you like, wow, Matthew, like uh, that's fantastic. And being here on the show now and telling more people about it must feel great, isn't it? It does. It does. Yeah. Whatever. Fantastic. Been a long time coming. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah, is there probably any last question from our um, team here, Anthony or Tatiana? Do you have any more questions? Uh, the only thing up? I'm uh, only thing I'm curious about is like, um, do you think there will be like an underground developer pool that starts making pirates of the care, you know, the actual thing and mm -hmm. tries to have it yeah. as exact as humanly possible. And it's like a never ending quest to get it as exact as humanly possible. And that like, what's the ride that you mentioned that is like no longer in existence? Like, will somebody revive that and try to bring that back to life or will it be almost impossible? Yeah, so I can answer that question because uh, I have my ear to the ground in that community. And there have been a couple attempts of recreating Disney rides. The most uh, famous one is, is it Alice in Wonderland that he did? I think it might be Alice in Wonderland. Uh, all he did, or Pinocchio, all he did was he went on YouTube, he downloaded as many videos of that ride as he could find, put it through a photogrammetry uh, system which takes those videos and all those frames looks at them, all of them, figures out what the geometry would be, and then kind of build that environment in a 3D way. It's kind of like Apple Maps or Google Maps. When you go down, yeah. you see the buildings, 3D buildings. It's like maybe like that, maybe a little better, but not much. And um, that's what they're doing today is just doing that. Hmm. Okay. Hmm. That makes Good. sense. Good. So, um, Tatiana, any last question, perhaps? Or I'm just—it's so exciting to see you so excited about learning, uh, developing these games, and about continuing creating it. Like we kind of, uh, you know, discuss different ways that this development can go. So I don't really have a question. I just want to say that I'm going to, you know, look forward to see where where this will go and how this will develop. Don't forget us. When you're famous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Be back again with an update at some point, how it all worked out. Yeah, that yes. would be good. Yeah. Yes. Also, for me, I can just say uh, thank you, Matthew, for your time to come here. And thank you for your time to make this. I think um, you are an inspiration for lots of mm -hmm. people out there who probably have an idea and who are wondering now, can I make it, even though I have no idea about development? And I think you are like the shining example that, yes, you can. Just get to it. Just try it out. Start with that cube. Put it into that um, space in Unity and put it on your quest too and go from there. And then something beautiful like into the metaverse will come up. So yep. amazing. Thank you so much for being on the show. And again, to all the people who are watching this right now, who are listening to it later on iTunes, please check out the show notes, the link to Into the Metaverse, the dark ride that Anthony programmed over the last year, over all the course of the pandemic, <laughs> is there to download and try it out. Give it a good review if you like it and let other people try it. I was amazed by it. It's beautiful. Lots of atmosphere, lots of things you can learn. And um, I encourage everyone to try it out. Thank you so much, Matthew. Immersive Matthew. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, thank you very much for inviting me on this episode. It's been really good to get some of this off my chest and start talking about it after a year of being hunkered <laughs> down over my over my computer. So thank you very much. And I always enjoy listening to I mean, all three of you when I listen in and your guests week to week. And I really do appreciate all of your insights. Uh, 
uh, all of it. You know, even when uh, Anthony rages a little bit, I love it. <laughs> it's always good to listen to. We all love passionate it. perspectives. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. Fantastic. People yep. are listening to you. Like I said, Tatiana, I, I heard you about the the gender equality. So you know, people, you're influencing people more than you realize. All of you. Wow. So thank you. Amazing cool. to know. Thank you so much for sharing that. I'm. I was really, really glad to learn that. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> yep. So all of the people who are watching this show right now, if you like us, please do not forget to give this show now a thumbs up now that you are live here right now. And also, probably even more important, if you like the show and if you appreciate that we sit down here every Saturday and spend like hours to entertain you and to tell you, to tell you about VR and AR, then please give us a five-star review on iTunes. And you can simply do that by getting out your iDevice and opening the podcast app, which is pre-installed, find the Next Dimension podcast and give us a five-star review. It's going to take you probably one or two minutes. And what I want to minutes if we give you like two hours and 35 minutes of entertainment in the VR space. So we would be very happy if you gave us a five-star review. Other than that, we're looking forward to see you and hear you next week. Until then, bye-bye. See ya. Bye. bye. <laughs>